I don't want to film and direct things. I just do it because I need to make stuff. And I don't want to edit, but I have to. And I want to make music, but I have to. <laughs> So she said, oh, this is my friend Ethan. He's a really big YouTuber. And I was like, wait, wait, no, I'm not a YouTuber. That's just a website I put videos on. It's frustrating to me to, to know that none of these things get have gotten picked up. But how frustrating is that for you to go through this? like pretty famous people will get put in the game and they'll get like a skin or whatever that's the dream if i'm popular enough where i'm in fortnite then i'm doing pretty well i took the memory card and i put it between my butt cheeks to hide it it wasn't very deep <laughs> but i just knew they would feel it when they were patting me down i didn't want them to feel it in a pocket or check my socks Sometimes you just have to do the thing and then apologize later. Exactly. My whole life is that. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber. We are live on Discord because it is TCU night. That is Wednesday night. It comes once a week and you can always count on us to be here at 6 p.m. Eastern live on Discord with many, many, many beautiful Patrons, $2 Tots, Dumpster Crew, Infantry, Baby Gang, they're in the chat. We have lurkers just listening for free who aren't patrons, but someday will be. And with me as someday always is Matthew Tabor. They will ascend someday. It's, uh, uh, it's really their fate. Um, but you mentioned the Baby Gang and all that. We want to start by wishing a happy birthday to Jeff Davis, the original Baby Gang member. When wow. we opened up the Baby Gang, it was how many minutes was it before Jeff became a baby? It, it was, was minutes. It was instant. It was an immaculate conception. <laughs> <laughs> it was. We had a bunch of people who joined up very, very quickly, but Jeff just obliterated all of them it's with true. his speed. So happy birthday, Jeff. We know you have limited options for celebration in these difficult times, but we trust that you'll find something fun to do this week. Uh, also want to say thanks to Electro Voice again for throwing us some very good microphones. It's why we sound so mature and adult. You know, it's the when only you, when reason you have amateurish. It's the only reason. Yeah. If you have amateurish microphones, you sound like a child. If you have, you know, professional microphones, all of a sudden you have this booming presence of, uh, of an, uh, an adult with authority. So thank yeah. you to Electro Voice for giving us that heft. That's right. Um, but we do have a guest, and usually when you book a guest, you know exactly who's going to show up. Today, it's a bit like rolling a 20-sided die. You're familiar with character comedians like Jim Carrey and Robin Williams, uh, and those two legends were crafted in the image of the late, great Jonathan Winters. Our guest evokes the spirit of Winters, the original character comedian splattered on black and white TV sets on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And you may not have known it before now, but he's also your dad. Nathan Barnett has been on YouTube for 15 years. He may be uh, the, uh, the, the guest that we've had who 
is the oldest on YouTube. Uh, his first upload was in 2006, in which he showed off his ability to flip inside a gymnasium. That was just the beginning of becoming the most recognizable YouTuber in terms of physical comedy. His original characters include the candy-obsessed Trail Luaus, whose Skittles commercial, actually Skittles commercial, landed him his very own Skittles vending machine direct from the company itself. Then there's gaming man-child Keith Apicary, who spent years talking classics and making appearances at conventions that celebrate nerddom. There's peg-legged self-defense guru Ray Amsley, and most recently the cult hit Dad, a character with his own dedicated channel filled with the wholesome and surreal inner monologues of a dad. We've got a lot to unpack when it comes to dad. Nathan's got music, viral dancing videos, GTA Trevor, incredible slapstick physical comedy, short films, Neutral and Milford, TV show pilots, the My Own Brothers podcast, and more. You get a lot in 15 years. Nathan can do and has done both anything and everything. So if Steven Spielberg writes you a blank check to produce one project and one project only, at this point, what is it? Mm, wow, what an intro. <laughs> it's like, oh God, I've, <laughs> I've done too many things. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, actually, first of all, I, I'll, get, I'll answer that question about what I would make. It, but first, I need to say my first video was actually in 2005. The very what? first year, a few months after YouTube became like a site, I uploaded a cartoon on a different channel called Tetris Side, which is my friend's channel. And I would s oh. mail him uh, discs from California to Massachusetts, and he uploaded them for me and uh, to YouTube because I didn't have a computer at home. I would go to the public library in Santa Monica. And then eventually I would go down to the library with my own CDs and I would load my first videos to the current Nathan channel. My for that flipping video was on a CD loaded at the Santa Monica Public Library. I did that for many videos. My very first upload was a cartoon called Barricade, which I re-uploaded to, an, I think, my channel or another Nathan, like a random Nathan channel that no one really knows about. <laughs> but it was a cartoon called Barricade that I animated every frame by hand with and i'd made a few episodes of that but yeah 2005 i was there day one on youtube so uh yeah there it is that, so that's that that's not the original upload it was on tetris side but still someone just posted in the chat the cartoon um i drew that like every frame and i did all the voices and sound effects and stuff but uh how, anyway do you remember how you found out about youtube and this is for kevin too because i i actually don't think i've i've ever asked kevin like how, how did you find out that youtube existed my friend Paul told me about it. Paul Cummings, who's a director, he he directed my Adult Swim pilot for um, Keith. Keith's Adult Swim pilot called Youth Large. Uh, he's from Massachusetts. Where me and my brother Seth and uh, Paul and we have made tons of stuff together over the years. And uh, now uh, you know we're doing sort of our own thing. But we've always already done. We've always done our own things. But we've done a lot together over the years. And um, Paul was the first one that told me. I moved to California, then he moved a few years later, and he's like, oh, you should check out YouTube, because I was loading videos to Adam Films, I think it was A-T-O-M-S, yeah. I had loaded yep. some stuff there, and then, I don't know if I ever loaded to E-Bombs World, but I was always looking at E-Bombs World, and then YouTube came out, and I was like, oh, this is a perfect place to put all these videos I have on DVDs and VHSs, so I started putting up uh, videos from that I'd already had on discs but to answer that question about if steven spielberg had g gave me money i'd probably at this point right now 
I'd either finish Neutral, which is a short film I made. It's 22 minutes. Uh, it got into some festivals and stuff. And there's two other chapters. So then, you know, like a movie has three acts. Uh, I should say acts. There's two more acts to the film, which will make it a complete hour and a half movie. So Neutral, that's just the beginning, what we saw on YouTube. Uh, I love Neutral. I think it's like it really summarizes me and everything I do, possibly. It doesn't really capture any of the cryptic stuff, which is sort of in Dad. Uh, and so, well, there is a little sci-fi in this movie or magic, I guess, but I would either finish that. I wouldn't even need that much. If blank check, I'd only need maybe $200,000. Uh, or, or I would make this movie I wrote called Las Vegas, L-O-S-S Vegas. And it's about these two brothers. One of them is really down and out and he, uh, finds a box. I won't give away what it is, but he finds this box and he needs to drive it to Las, Las, Las Vegas with his brother who has a car. So my character is like a loser. His brother is another type of loser. He's got a car, though, and they need to get this box to Las Vegas ASAP. And then these two other guys who are chasing them. And the way I sort of pitch this is like it's uh, Raising Arizona meets uh, Grant. What's the movie? Um, Darjeeling Limited, where my character is sort of like Owen Wilson in Darjeeling Limited, and he does, doesn't stop running his mouth. He thinks he knows everything. He's always got this big plan, this big scheme, and these two guys that are chasing him are kind of like real nasty guys, kind of like the bounty hunter in Raising Arizona. So, And it takes place just on that drive. The whole movie is just driving on the road. And uh, it's sort of inspired by Duel, which was Steven Spielberg's very first movie, coincidentally. Uh, about hey. a truck a truck chasing a car which ha also influenced this film neutral that i made that someone posted in the chat thank you very much tom anyways that's my long answer <laughs> <laughs> well it's good like that's a, yeah, yeah. A, a real like full on dissection of what you would do with that blank check i, I was expecting yeah. you know like oh i do you know this thing and you get two sentences about it i mean i think yeah, we've I'll, asked some people i can talk like what's your dream big project <laughs> Well, but it's so I, well developed, though. I mean, you have it uh, waiting there. Like, how long have you had? Uh, have you had this in mind? Uh, Las Vegas. I wrote a few years ago. I'm actually kind of cleaning it up right now because I, you know, as, over the years you change and your tastes change and things change. I'm sure. rewriting it a little bit. It was a little heavy with the Trey Luaus dialogue, which was my Skittles Skittles character. A lot of like broken <laughs> words and crazy sentences of just like a kind of guy that doesn't know how to speak right. Uh, I've toned that down a little bit and made it a little bit more relatable in a way but the movie itself does it would be my physical comedy opus in my opinion i wrote in every physical bit that i've done that i think i could redo that's worth redoing and wrote new things that i've never been able to do because i haven't had the budget to do them but it would be like uh honestly like buster keaton would probably blow his his brain would blow out of his head if he saw this <laughs> Uh, it would be Jim Carrey couldn't even hold a candle, in my opinion, to what I want to do in this movie. That's what I would say <laughs> to be to be incredibly not humble. <laughs> that's what I would say. I would go big <laughs> for sure in Las Vegas. And I feel like people people eventually would say everything I did after that stunk. And that was the best thing I ever made, <laughs> which ne inevitably happens for most people. But, yeah, I'd make a movie. I wouldn't think I would make videos or anything because I've always just wanted to make movies and TV shows. But I make videos because I have time and ideas and that. I don't want to just sit around and wait to for someone to give me the opportunity to do something. So I do what I can when well, I can. Well, and they don't cost so much money. So as you as you instantly said, I would make movies. I, I was trying to think of how many other YouTubers would do the same thing. I mean, I know for a fact that Jake Roper from Vsauce yeah. Three—that's what he would do. That's all mm -hmm. he wants to do. 
And um, just recently, I got interested in um, this YouTuber, Andrew Bowser, who has this Oh this Bowser! Character. I know I'm friends oh, with him. I was you're friends with him. Movies. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I, I was so a, he's a making a movie. In his monster movie. You were a zombie in his monster movie. Yeah, he had like this. this he was like trying to open this portal. I forget what it was. It was a short film, and he was opening. He's trying to do something, and then he made a zombie, and then I was like trying to eat him, and he was trying to get rid of me. I can't really remember, but it was a short. But yeah, now he's raising money for a movie right now. Yeah, yeah. So it's called Onyx, the Fortuitous, and the Talisman of Souls. And man, you have to raise a lot of money. I mean, his goal for this mm -hmm. is five hundred thousand dollars, and uh, yeah. he's uh. at I, I think nearly as of this recording two hundred thousand um, dollars. I so I backed it last night, and I got uh, uh, Jake from Vsauce Three to back it last night. But um, first of all, half a million dollars is seems like an insane amount of money on one hand but on the yeah. other hand when it comes to making a feature film it's 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 nothing it's like craft services it's like it no is. money it's, it's crazy <laughs> and, that, and that a lot of people will be working for free and they'll be working for like basically just getting their their costs covered for things they have to buy and the gear they need mm -hmm. I, I when i shot neutral that was a few years ago um and that cost me fifty thousand dollars i spent thirty thousand of my own money and that was only a 20 minute short film. And I raised 20,000 on Kickstarter. And then I shot Milford, which is another short that I'm about to release. I'm editing the 30 minute cut right now. And I sent a 15 minute cut to film festivals. Um, and it got into like two during the Corona, which was like digital stuff. So I'm just kind of like wanting to put it out now. But Milford cost another $50,000. And again, I spent $30,000. I had to sell my car. I sold every arcade cabin I had. I sold every toy I've ever had. Like every Ninja Turtle, every wrestling figure, every video game. I sold literally everything I owned for neutral. And then again for Milford, I sold even more stuff and got rid of the stuff that I rebought after neutral <laughs> to make Milford. Um, there's a, sh I would say uh, for Tom who's posting links, if you can find the link for the, the opening shot trailer for Milford, that's the most recent. There it is. It's posted. <laughs> Thanks. So anyways, this short film Milford cost $50,000 just like neutral and it's only 20 minutes long. So a feature, which is an hour longer, if not an hour and 10 minutes longer, maybe even an hour and a half, every single person who does anything has to get paid, you know? So people always, I, I dealt with that. I would understand what it's like when uh, you're dealing with an audience or audiences are like, why are you you're just stealing everyone's money? You used to make videos for free. Now you're asking for less money for a movie. <laughs> well, so yeah. you don't understand putting a tripod down and recording yourself, talking to a camera costs almost $0, but it is still your time. And now you're asking for 50 or more people to give their time for a month like you have to pay them and feed them and possibly transport them and get a real camera a webcam for a video is nothing but uh you know a real film camera well not film but like red or alexa is super expensive to rent and not many people own them so anyway they're super yeah, expensive to own <laughs> those cameras yeah, are like yeah. tens of thousands of dollars yeah and if you own so like for milford the the most of the movie was shot even the still right here of us on the motorcycle i rented this one hundred thousand dollar lens because it's like a super zoom lens and you can zoom really far and i had this thing i wanted to do these long slow zooms like sort of like 70s movies and we were able to shoot most of the movie with that because you can get like every you know distance with that lens so uh that cost a ton of money and like it had to be very 
if it was broken or like something happened to it, it would have been the end of the world. So we had like lens people, we had like you know, the camera person, we have his assistant. It's just like to, to just to get a couple shots of people doing something. It's crazy how expensive it is, mm-hmm. but it's just the way I, it is. I want to put this in perspective. Uh, when I think of, you know, I think like what's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And if I, I think of the toxic Avenger, um, if anybody doesn't know this movie, the, the, uh, kind of tagline here is a 98 pound nerd from New Jersey lands in a vat of toxic waste and becomes a benevolent monster. This movie is not fantastic in terms of cinematography or writing or anything else. So as, uh, Nathan's describing all of this, I think, well, how much did that movie cost to make? I look it up. Five hundred thousand dollars, and that was in the eighties. So, uh, so that's that like a ton of money for that. Yeah, that's probably yeah, that's two like million a, a million now. and a half now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Million and a half, two million, and and so the, like one of the kind of craziest, so bad it's good movies that I can think of is still <laughs> you know four times more effectively than the five hundred thousand that we were talking about raising. So that's kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I would definitely make a movie because like. I like making videos and even even if I was like making movies every year and that's just like what I did as my main thing, I would still be filming videos on my own because I have so many ideas and I just can't sit still. I have to like make stuff. I'm, I'm off. I often find myself envious now, you know, mystery guitar man who was a YouTuber. He's making Uh, Joe Penna. Joe Penna is making straight up films now and they're in movie theaters. I saw his last one, Arctic, which had, um, what's his name? Um, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen in it. And it's such a good movie. Did you know that it was supposed to be on Mars, that movie? But then when the Mar- the Martian came out, they changed it to the Arctic because they didn't want it to look like hmm. um, the same movie, basically. But he was supposed to be like on Mars originally. I think it's good that it was in, in the Arctic. I think it's a little more relatable and you can picture yourself in the situation he's in but that movie was amazing and now he's just and now he's like i guess penciled in to direct some huge film up that's after doing this one movie so he mm-hmm. went from youtube to making movies so it can happen and i just keep thinking i need to make it happen for myself i need to make a film so that someone goes oh this guy doesn't just fall down on his face in youtube videos he can like do stuff <laughs> but ultimately i just want to act if i was to pick one thing i would just act i don't want to film and direct things i just do it because i need to make stuff and i don't want to edit but i have to and i want to make music but i have to <laughs> yeah so. i think i think that joe had a short film uh that did well and you know in some sort of festival circuit that got him arctic so it seems like you're on a good path here making the short films at least and, and doing like the that whole scene because 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 yeah it is this uh process of getting that kind of uh you know traditional media recognition and and um um credentials i guess because they'll just say yeah. oh well, what has this guy done before and guess what everyone listening youtube doesn't count they don't care <laughs> it's all. true how many it's views true. your youtube videos uh-huh. get it means nothing it means it nothing really it's crazy yep. it's true and it because like they, you, you you can't expect people to picture you in a role without you doing it you have to show people look I can act or I can do this I can make these things I can create music I can do whatever you have to show people what you want people to think of you and I I'm aware of what people think of me they think a lot of people like this happened one time at a party my friend uh who's an actor who I became friends with at the uh Upright Citizens Brigade she uh was on she got cast on a show and and I've been on plenty of shows. I was on a show for three years on the same network as her. 
And but how she, I thought she like knew of all this stuff, you know, and everything I do. And she was in a television show that I wrote and created that we put her in uh, with Paul and my brother, Seth. And she introduced me to another person at her party as a YouTuber. And I was like, what? I did, it really kind of <laughs> threw me off. Like, I know some people think of me as a YouTuber, but she who knew me from like the acting world and comedy world and was in TV shows with me. It's funny to me that she thought of me as a YouTuber. And I was like, Lelon, I gave her away. Anyway, I was trying to like be vague here. But my friend Lelon, who's in our Adult Swim uh, Youth Large pilot, introduced me as a YouTuber because she just knows how many videos I put out. And that's what she's seeing in my feed and on Instagram and stuff. So she said, oh, this is my friend Nathan. He's a really big YouTuber. And I was like, wait, wait, no, Lelon, I'm not a YouTuber. It's just a website I put videos on. Because I think, <laughs> I don't want to say YouTuber is a bad term. It's just not what I think of for myself because i know what most people think of youtubers they think of a person who's holding a camera vlogging themselves going what's up guys we're gonna go to the store and we're gonna buy some new shoes and like they're just gonna vlog their life so i'm aware that a lot of people think of that as like what a youtuber is so i just try to avoid any label at all and just be like i'm just an actor who makes things but anyways yeah i uh I know people think of me as that. So I'm trying to show people like I do more than that. And the dad yeah. thing that my dad, dad series was a way for me to sort of like lean into the whole YouTuber thing. It's like, well, if people keep calling me a YouTuber, I'm going to do a character who says he is the greatest YouTuber in the universe. Granted, it's not helping me, Nathan, because now people are hearing that term with one of my characters and thinking I'm doing it. I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> but at this point, I don't ultimately really care. I'm just going to keep making things and people can think what they want. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I go. I no, ramble. I tend. It, I tend to ramble when I get off point and off topic. No, it's all interesting because it it fascinates me the the line that separates YouTuber and and traditional media people. Because you're right. In those circles, YouTuber is a, a four letter word that has more than four letters. It it basically is kind of like a a diminished title. And I could understand why that would be you know a little awkward in in some way if you're in like that sort of environment to be labeled that way, um, because it's, it's, it's really not at all respected um, because they just, they, I don't know. It's like, it, it's fine. You know, everybody has to bolster what they do and, you know, compare what they do to somebody else and, and say, ah, well, you know, this person, like you said, they just set up a webcam and they somehow get millions of views. It's like, yeah, it really is that easy. <laughs> yeah, it is. They don't I understand mean, even, <laughs> yeah, on, on the other sides of it, like, like something that Kevin and I experienced, we were talking to some people about uh, a possible TV show a while back and we described something that they thought sounded difficult to produce i forget the exact con uh, context they were like oh you know this this would be hard to do whatever and we tried to explain to them the nightmarish challenge of making the spaghetti chair video which we uh we talked about that we made a whole episode a couple of years ago 2019 i suppose um where we described what that process was we put a miracle together in seven days an international miracle uh on an extremely limited budget uh and pulled off uh, a production that that worked out and we were trying to say to them hey if we did this what you're saying is going to be hard is actually really not not hard at all it's like we slayed a dragon over here and you're worried about this mosquito and mm. it did not resonate with them at all it, they it, like we could have been 
you know, speaking uh, like Aramaic to them the whole time. And it would have resonated as strongly. They didn't care. They didn't. They, they just had no respect for what the production process would go like. So it makes sense yeah. that it would extend to on-camera talent, to anybody writing, anything like that. Yeah. If people just don't know, then they don't know. That's kind of what it is. You just have to like, I, I try to look at things as open mind. It's like everyone making anything in general is time and talent and effort. And you shouldn't just look at someone and think one thing. Like, I feel like people a long time ago didn't, think that like people people who are models would get cast in films just because they looked right you know and then they became an actor but like now it's like people aren't as open-minded i think like oh that person can act that they've been on camera like if you if you have some sort of a online presence there's a good chance you can act because you are in a way performing you know so i feel like people just need to sort of open their minds and think not not cast someone because they're a youtuber i mean granted they might not be doing award-winning acting but like if you direct them well you could probably get something good out of them but at the same time i'm not saying i'm a youtuber (laughs) i'm i i'm just an actor who puts things on youtube and wherever else you know where i perform live i do live shows so anyway I don't mean to keep going on about the the youtuber thing but i I think about it all that's that's the point of this podcast so anyways oh should i answer this question someone asked the question in the chat oh well we'll um we'll get to the chat's questions at the end okay, okay. of the episode okay. they have to That's wait a, okay <laughs> we have it our an interesting first. interesting question okay cool sorry we can, we can I'm, very, I'm getting distracted looking at this discord i need to like look away <laughs> <laughs> well you're you're going through your channel is distracting because you are all over the place with the type of content that that you're you're making it's very clear the passion that you have for trying new ideas because you go from music videos and dancing to uh, podcasts to stories about your days as a grave digger. (laughs) Oh yeah. I used to be a grave digger. (laughs) Yeah. I try to do a lot. So I call myself, I say I would, people ask me what I do. Um, I'd say like on my dating profile, I'm on a dating app and I was right. Physical (laughs) comedian or stuntman sometimes even. Um, so uh, physical comedian slash actor, but I also, I guess technically I'm a singer cause I have albums out and I sing, uh, and I also make the music in the dad series and I, I don't know what else you would say, but yeah, I like to dance. I don't consider myself a dancer, but I like to dance, but I'm not a legit dancer, but it's funny cause I say that and then I'm actually, <laughs> Keith is about to go. So my Keith Abacary character is about to go make an appearance on a very popular reality TV show where he will dance. I don't think I'm supposed to say much about it, but I'll say that. But yeah, I keep getting asked to dance on these things. And I'm like, I'm not a dancer, but I guess it's because I don't look like a dancer. But uh, he, uh, you know, Keith and myself like to dance. So yeah, anyways. I, I and, heard and on his dad. Yeah, I was listening yeah. to a... Um... Uh, a podcast that you were on earlier and you mentioned getting invited to dance during halftime of a Miami Dolphins show or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, As Keith. Yeah. Keith. So when I pranked a dance audition a long time ago, it was my manager and a singer's manager set it up where they were like, they saw Keith dancing in a video or something and they reached out to my manager and they were like, Hey, what if we had Nathan dance in a music video? And then Andy and I talked, my manager were like, oh, we came up with the idea of I should just prank all these people. I can get a prank video out of it and we'll they'll hold a dance audition and Keith will show up like off the street and 
make a, make a mess, be annoying. And then when he dances, they'll all be surprised. Hopefully it'll be something kind of funny. We'll get a little video out of it. And then that would lead to me being in the music video. So no one in the room knew. Oh yeah, there's a link for it. No one in the room knew. None of the dancers knew. The dance place didn't know. The singer didn't know. Only the two managers knew. And then one manager told uh, the, the the place who run the lady who runs the dance studio to not kick me out. Just don't let don't kick me out. <laughs> so, uh, so like three people sort of knew what was going on. But yeah, I just basically was like a mess. Keith was annoying. He was giving everyone juice boxes, and then he danced. And like I can dance okay, but I decided I should do like one of the moves that's like kind of good that I can do. I can do a backflip. So I figured if I start out doing a backflip, they'll be like, "Wait, what?" That'll like really shock them. And it came out pretty well. I edited this, edited the thing. And as I was editing it, I was thinking, I don't know if this is any good. Like, it doesn't really, like, there's no sort of conclusion to the video. It's just like, I was annoying, and then I danced, and that's it. And it, I felt like it was sort of incomplete. And I, but I had to put it up, because I had to put a video up that week. And I put it up. Um, and I had Maker Studios. I was with Maker at the time, before they went away. And they had a couple of camera people in there. And they told everyone it was a documentary on making on Kimberly making her music video. And they just happened to catch this wild guy who came in off the street, which I thought <laughs> so. I thought I gave away the whole thing. But they were doing a lot of filming of the other dancers to make them think it really was not about me. And they got all this footage of people we were never going to use. So anyways, uh, yeah. After that, it sort of opened the floodgates where Flowrider saw the video and asked me to make be in a music video for him that went crazy and then i did a thing for pharrell and then i did i've been in so many music videos now it's like i couldn't even count them <laughs> uh robin schultz i was a police officer in that and like that just started sort of started my career as uh this dancer in music videos and now again a reality tv show is asking me to be to dance as keith on their show so That'll be kind of cool, I guess. But I honestly ultimately would just love to do like a prank show, like an Ali G type show as Keith or a few of my characters. Um, that's what I really want. And I was working with Gorilla Flicks, who created Jackass last year on a project, but uh, Corona happened and it sort of like put a, a stop to that. So hopefully in the future, uh, I can get back to making my Ali G kind of show with my <laughs> different characters. So yeah, that's my rant Great. about Keith and not being a dancer, but keep being asked to dance <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah how, why why did you go down um so for youth large that was more of a narrative show right why didn't you go down the, the prank route for that just because that's what the network wanted for that pilot well we were talking to adult swim about doing something and uh the head of the network at the time uh he said something pretty crazy to us and it kind of blew my mind. I was like, well, this, here, my life is being changed in this moment. He said he wanted Keith to be like the new face of Adult Swim. And we were developing our show and I was like, oh my gosh, this will be like the new big thing. And they were just starting to do half hour shows. And this, our show with Keith, Youth Large, was one of the very first pilots. It was Black Jesus and us. And then they ended up going with Black Jesus, which was great because it was a good show. Um, and they didn't pick up Youth Large and they developed some other things, I think, after. And I don't know if any other full half hours other than like car full, I shouldn't say full half hour of all shows, but uh, real uh, real shows, uh, human, not cartoon. I yeah, can't live get action. Live action is the phrase <laughs> I'm trying to think of. Um, human shows, not drawing shows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> brain isn't working. <laughs> You know those dr those drawing shows like DuckTales? <laughs> yeah, whatever they're called. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we were developing that. And what we what 
he w- thought what he wanted to do was just a, a crazier Always Sunny with Keith and uh, open up the Keith universe. And we see Keith's brother, uh, which was Kyle Mooney. And then Chefid, who is my brother's actual nickname, my brother Seth, who wrote on the show and produced it with us. And he's who I do the podcast with. And uh, he writes like a lot of stuff. He's, do- he's doing his own thing right now, uh, filming some of his some films of his. But Chefid was a character on the show that my friend Joe Hursley, who's in the dad series, he plays the na- he plays neighbor. Um, Joe played my the TV version of my brother, and then uh, basically it was me, Seth, and Paul. It was like our version of like Always Sunny, where like more nerdy lunatics, and it was just a little weirder, I guess. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that was it, and uh, it didn't go through. But you know, never you never know. But then we got another version of it. A Comedy Central liked it, and they were like, "Let's do our version of this show." So I got for for a year we were developing with Comedy Central a script called best vens v-e-n-d-s and it was me and josh fadum who's another physical comedian or just actor who does physical comedy and we ran a vending machine company and this the vending machine snacks were pretty crappy um and it was just like us making sandwiches putting them in ziploc bags and putting them in vending machines and stuff and then <laughs> and then loose loose cups of juice were also in the vending machine because they weren't really thinking about it uh because this was sort of based on i used to have a vending machine in my house with all my arcade cabinets and i would always put a loose peanut butter sandwich in one of the slots for my friends to so that's like a joke and it would get really stale and just sit there but i also had like gushers and stuff in this vending machine so anyway um yeah the best Josh Fadum is hilarious. I didn't know that you did oh. a thing with him. I would have loved to have watched that show. Josh Fadum had some video on YouTube a long time ago where he was just trying to put on a suit, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 him just trying to put on a suit like ends up turning into this whole like Rube Goldberg like ridiculous thing of him <laughs> getting like the coat hanger stuck in his neck and uh, uh, he like falls off a ironing board. <laughs> I don't know. It turns into this whole Mr. Bean skit. Um, and I yeah. always thought that was so funny. And he was in Twin Peaks, the return. He was um, yeah, he for was anybody who watched Peaks. that. He Josh got Dougie his coffee. He was a pretty big part in the new Twin Peaks. He also is on better call Saul. He's been doing oh, a lot that's of good right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Josh has been he doing helps a lot. Him sh- uh, shoot the commercials. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the annoying camera guy, uh, yeah. annoyed, annoyed camera guy, I should say. So, yeah. uh, yeah, he, uh, he and I met at the upright citizens brigade and we became friends cause we were like the only two people doing physical comedy. And I still feel mm-hmm. like we are the only two still people doing it, but, um, yeah, things have sort of, uh, slowed down now because of Corona and not able to like go to live shows or anything. But, uh, yeah, that's where we met UCB. So Josh is amazing. And I actually, I wrote another show for adult swim Lazo, the head of the network uh, a few years ago said he was like, I want to do a, um, but he's not the head anymore. I think he retired this year, last year. Um, he wanted to do a Three Stooges, like a new Three Stooges. He likes physical comedy, and I like went to Atlanta and talked to him about this, like what his idea was. He's like, write a physical comedy, and I wrote a show that I still think is really good, and I would like to maybe take it out somewhere else if it was like revamped or whatever. But it was me and Josh as two handymen that would go to people's houses to fix things, and we just ultimately end up destroying their house in the end. <laughs> but we would get that light bulb changed. The light bulb was fixed. And the rest of the house was a disaster. Um, so that was like my version, and they they end up not going with it. So it's like you never know. It's really frustrating, um, you know, when you're. I ask, sometimes I just wish. I got close with that one where he's just like telling me what he wanted. I was like, okay, great. Just tell me what you want and I will do it because I have a lot of ideas and I can do many things. But if you know, if you have me in mind 
and it's me and it's something I can do, then hopefully we have better odds of this going through. But developing with networks is just such, they call it development hell. And it's called that for a reason. It's yeah. literally hell. You're getting paid nothing. You're writing for years. No one can ever know about it. No one can ever see it. And you're te- you want to tell your friends, I'm doing something cool and working for a network, but it's not probably not going to go through because they only pick up one show for the year and they're developing like 20 projects. It's so disheartening and soul crushing. That's why I just keep making videos in the meantime. And hopefully maybe one of them will blow up and a network will be like, okay, let's just do that. So it betters my odds, I guess. And I get to make stuff in the process. But yeah, making a show would be amazing. I'd love to do, I have this, like I was talking to this one friend who is at Amazon. I had a pilot with them when they first started as well with my Simmons character. And I still talk to him. I was talking to him yesterday, a couple days ago about, um, I want to do a sitcom, a three camera sitcom, sort of like Laverne and Shirley, which is actually pretty funny if you guys haven't watched it. I watched it a couple years ago for the very first time, like really sat down and watched it they're funny like they throw themselves around i couldn't believe it i was like wow this is impressive that these ladies are just doing this and i never knew this about the show but i was like it'd be cool to do my own version of a three camera sitcom but it's like a little more twisted and weird but it's filmed like a camera like a regular sitcom like you know whatever family matters but there's a ton of physical comedy like i'm falling through roofs and like i'm getting hit by cars and like it's just really intense physical comedy but it still has all the same cheesy jokes and everyone sort of treats uh, treats these insane things happening to me like a safe falling on my head is like oh ron the safe fell on his head you know it's like not a big deal but it's just kind of what happens in this world uh, i just thought i thought it could be cool like a more modern for today's audiences young people who like like intense craziness you know like eric andre show with laverne and shirley but it's not pushing the eric andre too hard where it's like weird to be weird and crazy to be crazy it still is a three camera sitcom but the physical comedy is like next level that's Mm -hmm. sort of like one of my ideas but maybe that who knows too many ideas not enough time (laughs) maybe something will happen someday (laughs) yeah but it it's frustrating to me to to know that none of these things get have gotten picked up. Like I, if I were in charge, I'd just check all these boxes. Yep, yep. Oh, a show, a three camera setup where uh, we drop safes on Nathan's head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, right. The light is green. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's a money maker right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how frustrating is that for you uh, to go through this over it's and over again, man? Imagine you are making your a project that you're working on and you're going to put online at some point and you're like putting your heart and soul into it and you're editing and you're filming and you're writing, you're making music, you're doing everything. And then they say, oh, never mind, we're not going to do that. And they take it from you and throw it in the trash. You would be so upset. Like that's what happened to me 20 something times now with all these different networks. You're like writing this thing and then you even get to film it and you do like test shoots and you do photo shoots. And I did, I just went through something with Comedy Central last year that was a thing with my friend Charlene Yee. It was me, my brother Seth, Paul, and Charlene, who's our my friend, and she was my roommate. We just all moved out of the house at the end of this year. But um, it was me and Charlene were like the two stars of the thing. And it's based on my life as a gravedigger. And we wrote around that. And my brother Seth was a gravedigger there as well. So it was based on that. And it was, I loved it. I loved this project. And they were like, oh, we can't do it. We're, we're doing Aquafina's show. And we're like, okay and i just can't tell anybody about it i can't do anything about it like it's all yeah. this work is gone is that that's why i've just put stuff on the internet because 
it's like I can at least show people. It's not at the level production value lot wise that I would like it to be because I, I'm just doing it myself, but it's still something. But that's what's frustrating is like I know I have more to offer. And if I had the someone could just shoot like youth large is one of the few times like we got to actually post put it online adult someone was like yeah you can put it online so we made something that looked good that i thought was funny and i also was able to do some physical comedy in and it had gaming stuff in there which i like and it was one of, one of my favorite characters as keith so i got to show people but every day even to this day people say when are you going to do another episode of youth large and i say i always write back to them when you can give me a hundred and twenty thousand dollars to shoot another one <laughs> because that was cheap, and it, that's what it cost. It was a very cheap show. It was $120,000 to shoot that 22 minutes of an episode. We shot it over five days. But, and like a lot of people worked super low because, you know, it was like a, they had like these special contracts where the actors were only getting like $100 a day because, you know, but then if it became a show, ever, the rates would all go up and they'd be like a full budget. But since it was like a pilot, we were able to get away with like, you know, these like indie deals or whatever indie sag screen actors guild deals and crew deals but yeah even that's still a lot of money i don't have one hundred twenty thousand dollars to put into one video <laughs> yeah or yeah. anything i don't have and, that kind of money and for people who don't who, who who may still be on the fence about why it's so expensive just watch the credits sit through the credits of, of any yeah. show or movie they all got paid or, a full rate it, it's yeah. a lot of people it's a yeah, lot yeah. of people. And guess what? Yeah, all of those people, uh, this is their job. So mm -hmm. someone has to pay them. And so. then all the people who do PR and promote it and do that stuff after oh, the yeah. fact, that's all like costs of it too. And they're not mm -hmm. even known about. Yeah, it's just, it's. I always tell people it's the most expensive form of art. And I, I've often I just wish I wanted to be a painter and I just could buy paint and a palette and that's it. My cost, it cost me $20 to make something. And I just make paintings all day. But making films is definitely the most expensive form of art mm -hmm. making. But you it's the I've asked crayons. For it, so. Yeah, you could get some I know. crayons. Then you could make one of those drawing shows. There you go. One of those instead of yeah, those instead of human yeah. shows. You could have drawing yeah, shows. Those are cheap. Those are yeah. real cheap to make. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just ask like uh, Meat Canyon or Psychic Pebbles how cheap it is to do <laughs> right. animation. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, and that the fir that first video I made that cartoon barricade that was it took my life away and that's just because i was doing it really in a crude way but like i was drawing so much and i'm friends with the animators now who are like oh my god i'm dying i've been sitting in this chair for 40 hours and just like it's so it's your whole to make one five minute thing takes like a month yeah yeah and the, the thing i always i didn't really recognize until we've had several animators now um on the create unknown yeah uh one of the things i i just never really thought about before was you have to be really committed that that joke is still funny after mm -hmm. you're working on it for, you know, like that 90th hour of animating and coloring the background and doing the sound design or whatever for like literally a three second joke. Like you have yeah. to be really sure that it's still funny, even though to you it was it stopped being funny a long yeah. time ago <laughs> or or you need to rewrite a joke that matches the same mouth movement <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is gonna be really hard <laughs> yeah next impossible <laughs> yeah but are you uh, gonna keep going with the 
with yeah, trying I'm not to get stop. shows I mean, I'll made. I'll never stop. I'll never stop. That's all. I, that's all I'm programmed to do. I just have too many ideas. I'm gonna keep filming videos and I'm gonna keep pitching things. Um, once Corona is done, then I can go back at it more. Once like maybe 2023 or 2022, whenever it, the world really goes back to normal. Um, I actually just sent an email because I, I actually I'm under a co- not a contract, but like I'm with com- doing something with Comedy Central right now that started right before Corona hit. And all during Corona, I've been checking in with them being like, hey, what's the deal? What do you want to do? What do you think for the future? Like, when do you think this is possible? But like, it's kind of like they don't know because they don't they don't know. And it would be like me in public and stuff. So that's something that's like the one thing I sort of have that I can keep checking in on. Like, that's mm-hmm. my one connection to a network at this moment. Uh, but after that, once this is all over, I'll go back out there with new ideas. But in the meantime, I'll still be filming. The, da- the Dad series is my main 9 to 5 right now. I film and edit every day, constantly making music. I just put the new album out. I'm putting out... Uh, I shot seven music videos last week for this new album. Two official music videos and five that are i'm just they're sort of like lyric videos but they're not they're going to be dance videos they're like uh, him dancing straight through for the whole time but mm-hmm. yeah i shot those i shot two other videos that i'm editing i, sh- I shoot uh, maybe seven videos a week every week but not just like vlog type, type thing like I, I was up top of a mountain i was in, walking through a lake the other day i try to like go out and shoot like real stuff uh, like make it as cinematic as possible um because i just i i want to make I don't know things that I would want to look at and things that interest me. And I'm trying to keep this dad story going. It's a huge story and it will take forever to tell the whole thing. But, uh, if yeah, that's like some people might not know what I'm talking about, but there's a channel I have called dad feels and it's about a dad, but he's a robot. His name is dad bot and season one just ended. And I'm now in this in between, uh, season sort of between season one and season two. And then season two will start soon ish kind of but yeah I'm, every day i'm just keep i'm uploading to the dad channel and uh after this thing i'm actually going to go out and film something a darker episode a pretty dark thing is going to happen in this dad series and there's a lot of horror fans that like the dad audience and i've never really gone into the horror angle of dad and they're all wanting it to happen uh so maybe they'll be happy with what's coming up <laughs> i think i think we got to go into the kind of orient or origin and lineage of the dad project because Kevin and I were talking about it uh the other day and there's a lot there there's a lot that uh that is not clear a lot of things are confusing at first glance like mm-hmm. it's 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 extremely intricate oh yeah so we thought, it's real okay, big it's real big and there's know- about seven episodes worth of of talking about dad that we've got to pack <laughs> into one yeah dad is like a whole thing it's really big i wanted to just do something very different than what i'd done before but i'd also sort of tried testing out this dad thing on my nathan channel uh in 2017 um, but now it's, I always say it's a sci-fi soap opera. It's this ongoing saga of that revolt that takes place in this facility. And you learn it's a facility as you start watching some sort of giving things away. But, um, uh, yeah, basically I wanted to make a channel that I could go, I could just make tons of stuff for, for a very long time and sort of do everything that I like to do. There's dancing, there's music videos. I wanted to do some new songs because Keith Apicare used to make songs and he had albums and I would perform those live at shows. And I wanted to do something new where I was this other character and I was doing more electronic dance music, but as a dad, the main joke, sort of what stemmed the whole thing is I thought it'd be funny to take a guy who looks as lame as you can be, 
but he's then you see him out on stage like say you're at a marshmallow show marshmallows djing some big festival and there's always hip rave people around and then this guy comes out that looks like a manager of mcdonald's from 1975 and he's bald <laughs> and he does a backflip and starts djing the craziest set you've ever heard and dancing like a lunatic and you're like oh my god this guy is insane what am i seeing that is who then has a youtube channel that you discover and you're like this and this channel has so much lore it's so weird it's so deep and so intense but these music videos are so catchy i basically thought it'd be really funny to make a pop star who looks not like a pop star at all that's sort of what my motivation was for this dad channel but i keep uploading videos it's sort of like what poppy did poppy was had yeah. really good music but she also had these strange videos which kept you thinking about her and kept you like watching her so it's basically like keith apicary thing too keith had talking classics the series where he talks about video games it's a documentary on him talking about his favorite video games but he also had songs and music videos dad's the same thing dad has songs and music videos but a really deep story and really weird videos and it's 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 a way to keep the musician happening like if ariana grande or whoever you know Beyonce had a YouTube channel where she was uploading strange videos, you'd probably like her more or think about her more because she's, you don't know what's going on. And you're like, well, you're just constantly thinking about her, like wondering. So that's what I thought would be good for dad is like, well, a good, I'll, the music for me is the main thing. But this, but the thing I thought Poppy didn't do was she didn't have an actual story. It was just weird to be weird, kind of. And there was like yeah, commentary on yeah. stuff. But dad is commentary on stuff, and there's like actual secrets, hidden things, and uh, a long storyline. And the one thing I will say at the end of this rant is it is not an ARG. People think it's an ARG. I didn't know what an ARG was when I started this. I, 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 it's not a game. A, an alternate reality game is what an ARG is. There's no game. It's just a series you need to watch. But I hide things. The original reason I hid things was because I wanted to get more views. So I'd hide like these little like glitches and like little blips of binary so people would be like wait what was that and they'd skip back and then they'd go back and watch later to see if they missed another one so i'm getting extra views and extra clicks and more time spent on my channel which would give me more money <laughs> so i could make more stuff so really it was just a trick to get <laughs> more views and then I, I got hooked on it i kept doing it because people started looking for them so it's like all right well i'm gonna put them here and then sometimes i don't put them at all to make people go crazy we're like i didn't find anything where is it what's in this <laughs> one but there's nothing there so but I do it now because there's a there's a whole audience and I have this, there's these secret societies in my Discord who are people that have proven themselves really smart and they can find things. So I started making these secret societies and they all started battling each other to find the clues. And there was actually a competition and now there's an infinite society who has won. And now I just recently joined the secret societies together in my Discord, for the, in the dad Discord. And they I so I basically hide stuff for them. And a lot of the time what it is, is just they will get clues in character drops and things like that story drops and they'll find out stuff before other people if they can as assemble this backwards reversed scrambled audio in binary that's hidden in these videos they'll find out things that others aren't finding out so you don't need to look into it but really i just say it's a sci-fi soap opera and he's a pop star robot who makes music <laughs> oh that's all Oh, makes there, sense. Got yeah. it. That's uh, as that's, simple that's, as that. Thank you for explaining it, it. There you go. so <laughs> concisely. <laughs> I know, but really, it's just a character. It's just a channel for one of my characters, and there's a lot going on. But like, I have a lot of characters, and that's just one of them. I made his own YouTube channel because I knew there was going to be so much content. It would be easier just to put it on his channel instead of putting it on the Nathan channel. So, anyways, yeah, there you go. That's, I, I want to jump dead. back to the 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 part about the ARG because 
you're you're really clear on it not being one mm-hmm. but uh if if you're making this thing and it basically kind of making games for people to play within that thing which you know solving puzzles and yeah. all that and like like how do you draw the line so clearly on this i i say no because if i say yes they're going to think that they'll that some people will start to think that they can solve it or win it but there's nothing to solve there's nothing to beat okay. there's no game in the end and an arg is dependent on the audience like it doesn't end until they do it dad does oh. and i would say over and over dad does not end it's not ending because this is my nine to five and it's a story yeah. that i want to go on for a very 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 long time it's sort of like wwe the storylines never end soap operas the stories never end it just keeps going new people will come things will change my the whole channel might change at some point be something completely different but it will still be stemmed from the same original story so it's not a game but what someone who a lot of people have been investigating the dad channel like nightmind and exponos and people nightmind put it in a good way where people are calling some things unfiction and unfiction means it's like it has IRG elements, but it's not a game. And also, yeah, Matt Pat recently just did film theory, just did a, an episode on it. And I think he said it was an ARG too, which I understand people just keep calling it ARG because that's the term they know, but I never knew what ARG it was mm-hmm. when I started it. For me, it's just, I don't know why people even need to say unfiction. I wish they could just say it's a series and there's Easter eggs because there's movies with they hide stuff in it, but that doesn't make that movie an ARG or that show isn't an ARG. <laughs> it's just hidden things for fun. So I don't know why people love and have to say the phrase ARG nowadays that people, I think just want, they just know that term and want things to be that because they like other things that fall in that category. But I think it's just a series and there's some secrets for Easter eggs. But what maybe is an I'm example of something it. that actually is an ARG? Because when I first saw that term, I thought it was like a cryptocurrency. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there's, I've learned about ARGs from people who tell me I am one. And uh, they're uh, an ARG. Don't hug me. I'm scared. I think, well, that's not really an ARG either because unedited footage of a bear is on Adult Swim is apparently, they say it's an ARG, but I don't think there's anything to solve in any of those. The Sun Vanished is one that I think is guaranteed an ARG. And uh, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was Alex Bale. He did Pizza Time Pizza. But The Sun Vanished, I think, is one that is actually an ARG. But it all took place on Twitter. And it's not like, a lot of these things will take place on other platforms, not YouTube or video hosting websites. It's like, you just got to follow this guy's tweets. And then they lead you to a website. And that leads you to an answer. So... I think the Sun Vanished is one that you could say is an ARG because there is a game. And that's apparently Local 58, which is a YouTube channel. I think Local 58 might be an ARG. I don't know if that, I don't know because I don't really pay attention to ARGs. And I don't really, I'm not interested in that kind of thing. So I don't know if it's a game or if it's just weird to be weird and you're supposed to think of what the whole story is meaning. You know, I think they're supposed to like, it's, I think a lot of the times they're commentary on things, but not necessarily a game. But people just, if there's something's cryptic and weird, people call it an ARG. That's just the term nowadays that you get. So Twin Pe- if Twin Peaks came out now, today, people would call it an ARG, for sure. Because oh, that's what okay. people think. I, I feel that's what they call it everything in ARG now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, I did watch a four and a half hour explanation video on Twin Peaks. So. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Maybe There's a lot there's, there. There's That's the thing. Like Some stuff can just be involved in deep, but it doesn't mean it's a yeah, game. Yeah, it's not a game. But and no, also, everything is an alternate reality. Any show or any TV show is an alternate reality. So does that mean everything is an 
alternate reality series or game, I think people need to calm down with the ARG. It's just, it's just entertainment. <laughs> I don't. Th- I I also have a problem with labels, and I start dissecting what means what, and I don't like labels. I think Keith Apicary. I used to hide stuff in the VHS all the time, but that wasn't an ARG. And the, uh, Keith Apicary's Talking Classic series was filmed on VHS. And there were VHS scrambles, and I would hide things in them, and I would hide images from my other videos, like Ray Amsley, in some of these glitches and uh, weird images. But it didn't. Make, no one called it an ARG then, but now it's a term for nowadays, so everyone says it. So right, yeah, yeah. yeah they want to think of it that way. How did yeah. you? I really wanted to ask you about how you made the Keith Apicary videos because they were on VHS. You use an old camera, so how did you? transcode or like digitize the footage from like an 80s camcorder and and and, and into your computer uh, the only time i did it a couple times the other most of the time it was just um final cut 7 vhs effects but there were times i did shoot on vhs then what i would do is i would play it on a flat screen monitor and i turn the lights off and then i would film the tv again <laughs> to, to capture it and then i would take okay. i would take the better audio and replace the with the real audio not the audio coming from the tv okay so yeah because when i was in film school uh this was bef- this was like in this weird pyramid where uh sorry uh period before it was really easy to, to mm-hmm. we weren't recording on digital we were still recording on mini dv yeah yeah and in order to get things and we would put stuff on VHS. So in order to get things from like the VHS into the computer, there was this, remember in school when you had a substitute and they would wheel in the gigantic <laughs> yeah, cart yeah, with, with, with the, the 900 pound TV uh-huh. and the VCR. Uh-huh. It was very similar to that. Only imagine that. And it's like four times as complex with like yeah. all ki- all manner of like weird electronic things you've, you've, you've never seen before. Um, in order to just get like the VHS footage onto the iMac yeah. in 2002. <laughs> yeah, I, I would use, I started using, I had a, high, uh, a mini DV camera as well, and I would play the VHS VCR. I'd plug it into the camera and I'd hit record on my mini DV. And then I could put a VHS, oops, I just knocked my mic over. You guys might want to edit out that sound. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I would take the VHS from a VCR record it onto a mini DV and then from mini DV you could capture in final cut and I could play that tape so I could do that as well so but it was yeah. like real convoluted like three-step process but they do make things now or like or like my friend had one it was like this big yeah it was like what you're talking about it was like a big box and you could put all kinds of stuff in it and you could record it onto like a digital format that would be handy yeah. to get because yeah and it, I, it, it was in real time you'd have to wait for the thing to play yeah yeah to record it <laughs> And, unless it I mean? had like high speed dubbing, which I don't know if they do that with video or not, but I don't back then. I don't think that that worked. Yeah, for, I don't think so. For getting it onto the me, computer. Uh, we, we've talked about uh, wanting to talk to Weird Paul on on this podcast in the future. And I think he was uh, until very recently, like a year or two ago, editing using two VCRs. So I, I think he uh was was filming on tape and then also editing his final video on tape as well and mm-hmm. then somehow getting that onto YouTube. So it's crazy the uh, the lengths that people go to 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 preserve you know that aesthetic. Yeah, 
VHS is amazing. I love it. I, I like I've really analyzed VHS errors and flaws and how they're not as intense as you think they are. So when you when you see something that looks VHS, it's probably been affected because VHS is actually in what I've seen. And I have tons of VHS here. They're oftentimes pretty clean, and it's just sometimes there's a little wobble at the bottom of the screen. So like I used to like go overboard on the Talking Classic series to show people's VHS because a lot of times it would just look too clear, and I was like, oh, this isn't that bad at all. But yeah, mm-hmm. VHS. I used to do that in high school. We would edit with two VCRs. We would make videos and record one, and then pause it, and then t- put the other tape in, and make a cut, and then hit record again mm-hmm. using two VH- VHS d- decks. Because that's how I learned to edit in high school. And, uh, I had v- a video tech class, and I would uh, after school we had a sketch show, comedy show we would make in the cable studio uh, called The Sweet Ride, and we would air it on local cable access like every week through like the satellite. Uh, and everyone in that in our town who could watch the local channel and watch our sketch show. So like old people would be flipping through and they'd see us, us kids doing some stupid skit. You That's know? amazing. You're so awesome. lucky you had that. That's yeah, so cool. That was 1994 and five, I think. I graduated in 99. So it was like those four years. My brother Josh started it when he was, uh, I was like a freshman. He was a sophomore more junior um they called it the sweet ride and then we changed the title later me and my friend fran uh whose name was justin we called him fran uh and my brother seth we called it (laughs) the elastic sheep farm that's what we changed it to and it just was really weird sketches of characters and stuff but yeah that was how i learned to edit was on two like the big decks where you're twisting the knobs and pushing them in and setting in points and out points so i had them them thinking i understood how to edit with in points and out points and like the concept of editing since i was like 14 but mm-hmm. and then when i started editing on a computer it was like the same thing you're just hitting i and o for in point out point but yeah it was fun yeah. i love doing a it, cable access this show. is something that the kids today just don't know they don't you know they don't push any buttons that have feedback anymore like pushing a, a button on an old on an older phone there's no knob that you have to twist there's nothing that you have to crank anymore mm-hmm. you know that like <laughs> The old TVs that had like 13 channels and a big knob. Yeah. Switching the channel from one to the other, it was like chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like who's who's gonna garage get up? door closing. <laughs> and who's going to get up to change it? No one ever wanted to get up to change the channel. Yeah. <laughs> we had that. Did you, ever, did you ever watch Louis Anderson's show? I think it was called Louis the Cartoon. Yeah. It was. Yes. So yep. that cartoon in the intro, we when we saw the intro, my family, we loved it because we had a... Uh, wrench we had an adjustable uh we had pliers on because uh, we lost the dial on the top so you have to use pliers to twist the knob and they had it like the same thing there like the uh ratchet pliers they had that on <laughs> the intro of their show louis got up to change the channel on the tv and they had the pliers on there couldn't believe it. i was like oh my gosh another family has the pliers <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> so we just never got the new dial <laughs> <laughs> it was just a piece of plastic life yeah. with louie that's what it was life called. with louie yeah yeah life with louie that show was awesome i love that yeah, show that was a good show <laughs> yeah no and uh i don't know how we got on this topic a, a few weeks ago matt and i were talking about audio editing for some reason and i took an audio editing class mm-hmm. uh in college where in, in order to um essentially like explain like the 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 bones of audio editing, this professor made us cut tape. He made us actually cut audio tape, you know, magnetic tape before oh. he would allow us on the computer. 
to use, I don't even recall what the software was at that time. You know, it wasn't, certainly wasn't Premiere. I don't remember what it was. It's probably long, long defunct now. But before we got on the computer, he made us learn how to cut tape. And, um, and I was trying to explain the intricacies of that process to Matt. And eventually I just looked it up on YouTube so that I, you know, just send him Mm -hmm. a link like here, this is what it looked like. And it is unbelievable for anybody who's never actually watched the process of how, you know, any classic music that you listen to, whether it's the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or whatever, you know, Rolling Stones was, was recorded on magnetic tape and cut this way and using like a grease pencil and a razor and your ears to scrub back and forth to like listen for the exact wow hair of a second that you wanted to make the cut where mm-hmm. and, and by cut i mean literally physically cut the tape that's what that with the yeah. razor yeah, yeah with the razor that's why it's it yeah. says cut and like if you're you cutting did, there's thing. no you throw yeah, up the no control the z yeah, if you did it wrong, yeah. you the, you mess up the beat, you mess up the rhythm. Like that's that's it's so disastrous, sketchy. And like I do that yeah. with music, so I make music as the dad character in Keith, and I'd often you know get music from musicians, and I'll rearrange the song a little bit to how it'll work for my lyrics. And I have to cut like on the beat, and I'm like inching, like wait, is that on, that off? And I'm like, you're really analyzing your little cut, and that's like difficult just on an editing pro in a program. But like, I can't imagine doing it in real life. And that's like the recording (laughs) they have. So you better hope you have a backup. Yeah. If you make the slightest mistake on that cut or you're not happy with it, Mm -hmm. you need to do it again. You need another reel. (laughs) You need another reel of tape that is exactly the same to make that cut. So it's massively high stakes. Yeah. 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 Because if you mess up, you could just hit undo (laughs) and your your waveform is is magically put back together. So that's why um, no one would use this term anymore because destructive editing doesn't doesn't exist. But but in the in the early days, like editing on a computer was called non-destructive editing for that reason, because you're not destroying the project because you could just hit undo and it's pieced back together magically that's cool i didn't know that term yeah yeah and and you know it's not like when they cut it it was gone forever i'm sure that they had um backups and stuff like that and then you know eventually they would turn they would create the master which was like the final of putting everything together but yeah you know i think we matt and i you know, i think we were talking about it because we were wondering why music sa- sounded different after like a certain time yeah like somewhere like in the 80s all of a sudden it sounded differently and part of my hypothesis had to do with this was switching to computers yeah maybe the quality is just different i do i feel that way about films like films shot on film as opposed to digital have a different look it's just rougher you can see the grain more and the things aren't exposed correctly and film you know absorbs things differently and i think when you grow up with that you're used to that like to me that's what a movie looks like but if something's too clean and too crisp it doesn't I, it's i'm taken out of it like because my i associate like it, that'll change over times when audiences and people grow up only seeing certain things for me a certain aspect ratio and a certain graininess is what makes it a movie otherwise it just looks like a home video sort of if it's too clear it looks too much like real life i mm-hmm. i prefer 70s films even though i wasn't alive in the 70s and i I was born in the 80s and didn't really pay attention to things until the 90s. I still like 
70s films. That's like kind of what I saw. And even the 80s, they were obviously using film. And they're using film in the 90s. But things were just grittier. And I like, I don't know, I just tend to like those types of things. And it has a, things have a different look nowadays, for sure. Like when that Hobbit movie came out and they shot it like 60 frames or whatever, it looked so oh, bad in yeah. my opinion. Because you could see the makeup on their faces and you could see like paint on the cave walls. And I was like, this is horrible looking. Like you need to hide things, I think, in film in a certain desat uh, not desaturation but like a certain uh what's the word destructive need to ruin the footage a little bit in a way to sort of make it feel like another world where it doesn't look like what your eyeballs are used to seeing in your house you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's just how yeah, i sort of think it this is an issue on details like makeup where uh, like I'm frequently watching shows, especially, uh, I don't want to say low budget because they're really not, but like, uh, the production value on, on some foreign stuff is not as polished as, uh, you know, what's on network TV or whatever. So occasionally you'll get somebody who their makeup is just not quite right. Mm. There's something with their makeup that's either not flattering or, it just just plain off and you it smacks you right in the face because this is popping in at least 1080 and probably in 4k yeah uh it's it's wild and i and i look at that and i'm like you know what 15 years ago this looks awesome i never see this mm -hmm. these details do not matter and actually i think it's either coronation street i think it is coronation street on uh, bbc they could not upgrade to hd because their set was built primarily in the 80s mm -hmm. and it kind of looks like shit yeah you could get away with it back then <laughs> yeah, yeah it looked you know like the way uh, a high school play you know the set is kind of uh, a character of a real set um it had that that motif and that's completely fine when you're not seeing hyper detail if you pop that into hd it looks janky and terrible. And so they're unable to do that in anything other than standard definition until they have the money to rebuild, uh, to rebuild the set. I think it's Coronation Street, which, you know, there are elements to this. It's a soap opera, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's a, they're like 50 seasons. It's gone on forever. So the elements of the street, the people where they live and the stores and stuff like that, they're all the same and they're all part of uh, this, this ongoing thing. So it's not just background details that nobody's going to pay attention to. They're literally part of, of this long, long running story. But if you actually get to see them, they're going to look terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard makeup artists when I'm on jobs, they'll ask another makeup artist, like, what are they shooting on? And they'll, because I think the, that will affect what makeup they're applying to people, knowing what, how it's going to be captured. Yeah. So I think oh, that's that makes definitely a, a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Yep. I mean, there's old video games that I feel that about where they try to remaster them or upgrade the textures and it looks worse. Uh, not all of them. Like, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't mean that as a blanket statement at all, but um, there were some, like the, I'm trying to think some of the old RPGs, like, they redid some of the Dragon Quest games and then they just ended up looking like cheap iPhone games instead. And it's weird that even that has an aesthetic where you're like, mm. this looks like a cheap mobile game instead of, you know, a high budget console game. But it, it is interesting <laughs> that, yeah, those those things created in that era had their own fidelity and then trying to take them into modern fidelity. The translation doesn't always goes yeah. so smoothly because if you have something yeah. else that's already been looks similar 
And I think that's why uh, it, it, it happens to everything like that. I'm a, I'm a victim of that with the whole ARG thing. If people see something and they have it in their head what that type of thing is, anything that comes after is going to be lumped in with that. So like, yeah, if you have some game with flash animation, and that's a lot of times mobile games, anything that looks similar. There's a game, I forget what it's called. There's this girl, Ren, who's like a mod in my whole discord dad world thing she's played a game today it's this fighting game where these like anime looking girls and you're like beating it's like a side scrolling beat em up kind of and you're like whacking people with swords and it looks really cool but it looks like flash animation which sort of turns me off because it's kind of like eh, it's kind of like i don't know this doesn't look fun like i like 16 bit and i was I actually had this fear with Suicide rage 4 Is it river out. city girls it's not river city girls it's something else. Oh, that's more, from the River City Ransom, isn't it? Like the sequel to that? Yeah, there's like a new it's one that came out a couple of years ago with these two girl mm-hmm. characters. But that that did look different too. That didn't have like the 8-bit look. Like Streets of Rage 4 is sort of a good example. At first, I was like, I'm not going to like this. It's got like sort of like cartoon animation and I want to look like bits, like 16-bit. I want to feel like a cliche video game in my opinion. And when mm-hmm. th- something looks like a cartoon, it's a cartoon to me. It's not a video game. But then I changed my mind because I really I started to look at Streets of Rage 4 differently and it looked more like a comic book and I liked the art of it and I'm and I also thought the game was super fun so now I'm just kind of like over it but it helped break my uh I guess outlook on it and like you that help happens to people I think when you see something for so long and you see something else that looks similar you knock you have that association with the thing you didn't like mm-hmm. anyway yeah. Yeah, it's I just need to balance. open my mind more, I guess, and be more open-minded, which I think I am. But then I, I, I learn every day how not open-minded I am. And I think I am open-minded for someone who makes weird, strange content. And I was the weird kid in high school. Even I'm pretty close-minded, apparently. Because I like what I like. And I don't want to like, like, I don't want to like, like other things, I guess. It's my problem. <laughs> but then I learned, like, I, I, I will say, I've learned the past couple of years that I probably would like anything and everything if I just gave it a chance because I now play Fortnite and absolutely love it. And I made fun of that game for years and I, I never thought I'd play Minecraft. I absolutely love Minecraft. I think Minecraft is the greatest game in the world. Maybe my favorite game ever specifically with shaders on the shaders I use, which make me want to live in Minecraft. But yeah, Fortnite is a game that I think is really fun and I didn't like the style of the game, the artwork, but now I do. So are there any um, Keith Apicary dance moves in Fortnite? Well, so I'm not supposed to talk about this legally, so I won't. Oh no! I won't <laughs> what talk did I about stumble upon <laughs> the no bones dance that looks just like my dance that's in there. Um, and I didn't get paid anything to uh, not talk about it, yeah, so I'll say that. Wow. But yes, there is a dance in there called the boneless dance, which looks a lot like my dance. There it is. There's the emote. Looks just like my No Bones dance, dance, which I did as Keith and many characters. The original video is called No Bones Dance, and it's a video I made for a channel called Dance On. And Fortnite finds things that are popular, and they take them. Not saying they took mine, but that's something they do do. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm... Well, there, that's well there publicized. You there you go. You know, um, There's old the Alfonso Ribiera Carlton was upset mm-hmm. with them for the Carlton right. dance. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? There was someone else. There's a lot of people. Uh, high a, profile. Yeah. It, I think it was 2019 or whatever. Everyone was coming out of the woodwork saying how their dances were being stolen. So mm-hmm. honestly, I'll tell you this. When I started the dad uh, series, so someone posted in the chat how to do the bonus dance, which is my video. The center image of me in front of the gray backdrop was what I was using for the very first dad videos on my Nathan channel. 
I was purposely making weird dances to see if any of them would catch on to then hopefully have Fortnite rip it off again and they would have to talk to me again and not give me something to be quiet about it. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, well, I've made a lot of like sort of viral dance things and what's another one I could do? So one of the ones I started with was I call it Dad Feels Good. And it's actually what I did with the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders. When they asked me to do that halftime show, I wanted to do a new dance. And I thought it'd be funny to do this thing where I rub my bald head and wiggle my hips. And it's like <laughs> a dance only a bald guy can do. And I called it Dad Feels Good. And that's what he does when he's feeling good. Um, so that was the very first dad video. And then I then turned, turned it into a whole song. And I had Danny Brown, the rapper, he got on it. And he's in the music video. And I sort of like blew up that one that which was just supposed to be a weird internet thing you'd find some weird guy doing a weird dance became a major part of the lore and world of this dad universe <laughs> so kind of like went went as far as i could with that one strange dance move but yeah it was all because i was like seeing like what i could make stick and if fortnite would <laughs> steal it again <laughs> yeah fortnite bait yeah, basically, basically, I, I try to be bait for Fortnite all the time because I, I ultimately I, I would love to have dad become a character. If it got popular enough, if dad ever hit like a million subscribers, I'm getting close to 300,000. So please subscribe, everybody. If dad ever hit even half a million would change my life. But yeah, if I hit five million, I mean, a million subscribers someday and the dad became popular enough, I could see Fortnite maybe adding the character in because it is sort of like a unique look to the character he's got like sort of his bart simpson outfit that you just know when you see him i didn't that, know fortnite did that they'll take um, yeah they'll do like collab characters like that you can like, oh, okay. like it's mostly like pretty famous people um will get put in the game and they'll get like a skin or whatever so that's the dream if i'm popular enough where <laughs> i'm in fortnite then i'm doing pretty well <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i i will admit openly uh here i've never played fortnite or minecraft oh oh i i think you would like minecraft at least um because you like like science and making stuff so fortnite is incredibly fun i use the java i play on java minecraft java and i have uh shaders called sildurs shaders which make the water look real the clouds look real the grass flows and blows in the wind like like real grass. And then just the other day, I got um, this NAP. NAPP is this like uh, uh, texture pack you can get. And the carpet looks like carpet. And like the dirt looks like dirt. And the grass looks like grass. So it really looks like you're in like sort of a CG world, like a Pixar world. And it doesn't look like mm -hmm. original Minecraft at all anymore. It is so fun. I just want to sit in there and stare at the sun all day and like look at the sunset because it's beautiful. So it makes me want to be in there. But yeah, if you, you the mechanics alone of Minecraft are addicting and like playing the game and just making like one thing leads to another. Now I got to build this house. Oh my gosh, now I'm going to make a lawn and now I'm going to make a garden. Oh, and now I'm going to make a basement and I'm going to dig a really long tunnel. I'm going to turn it all into like red carpeted tunnel and it's really fun to be down here. I feel like I'm in a fort. It's like addicting. <laughs> it is so addicting. I went on this this uh uh Fox Quest the other night. I was streaming uh I don't know if it was myself or if I was dad, but I was streaming on one of the channels and I was playing I play for like 12 hours on these really long live streams so i just can't stop oh playing and i'm like i made a boat and i was sailing i was looking for um other uh like foxes i was going to try to find another biome and then my chat was like losing their minds because like you don't know how lucky you are i was finding all these incredibly rare things and they said they said i was experiencing a speed run like gold mine because i found an old portal 
And then I found, which does really hard to find. And then I found uh, a treasure, a couple treasure chests. And then I found a village, which has some animal that, oh, then I found these, these cows with mushrooms on them that are really hard to find. It's a biome that no one ever really finds. I took the cows back with me in my boat, <laughs> brought them back to my island. They bred with the other cows. Now it was baby mushroom cows. <laughs> anyway, it was like, it's so much fun because it's, you really need to play. I can't even, I could talk to you for hours about why you should play Minecraft. It's amazing. But also my main reason I play Fortnite is because it's fun to be in there like the graphics and I just love destroying kids. And I'm like, they don't know this. I'm like, <laughs> dad, some bald guy who's doing a character named dad is the one blowing them away. And it's really fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Kevin, we got, we got to get you in when, uh, when the update drops, which uh, I think the, the wisdom is saying that it's a couple months away. Uh, the new, yeah, this summer, Isaac says, uh, which I don't know. I guess that's a big range of months, isn't it? That's mm. like May to August is summer. Um, Tom in the chat is saying, yeah, the, I the cave. Have Kevin on dad plays. You should play Minecraft with me for your first time on like a live stream with dad. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I will yeah. show you. Oh, every, awesome. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I've been playing for three years, but I still don't like remember all this stuff. Every, I'm like, how do you make this? And everyone's like, you put this together with this. Like people have everything memorized in Minecraft. I can't remember anything. I don't remember. I use the wrong tools for everything. I you don't know what blocks do what, but I'm in there all the time and I absolutely love it. So you yeah. should try it. This has to happen. This crossover has to happen. It has to happen. We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> My big thing is that it's on the computer and I'm on the computer all day for uh -huh. work. I, I can't understand. imagine then sitting on the computer and then playing games. I always have to get away from the computer so i totally understand I have to, you will take a day off you will take a day off for this i'd have to take so a it's day the off. only thing yeah yes the only thing that you'll do that day on the computer that's how it'll happen I, imagine such a life i have to take a day off to play <laughs> minecraft i know right <laughs> <laughs> it's first of all being a person who makes your own stuff it's impossible to take a day off you always say you want to i end up taking an hour off and it's always at midnight till 1 a.m and i fall asleep on the couch and that was my day off I try to watch mm -hmm. like a show or a movie it's so hard to take time off, but uh, I felt the same way with you as you. I didn't like playing games on PC at all. I still don't really. I'd rather play on a console with a controller on my couch. But yeah. I now, because of Minecraft, I started playing Minecraft because like all the kids were doing it, and Dad does whatever is like cool and hip. So Dad plays anything his audience tells him to play. I learned how much I love Minecraft, and it's the only game I play with a keyboard and mouse. Otherwise, I play at my computer with an Xbox controller for like every other game. So it's like I'm playing on a console, and I try to be as comfortable as I can. But this, I have this PC that I'm like talking to you guys on right now, which is dedicated for like streaming and video games. And then I have my Mac next to me, which is I use for like editing and all my you know mm -hmm. video stuff. But I do prefer console, and I don't want to sit at a desk when I've been editing all day to yeah. play to then do a live stream. But I make myself do it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I have a super comfortable desk set up because I am here in the, the throne of the battle station all day, every day, but I still like, ah, it's, it, it feels like work when I'm in this chair, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's not the same as, um, it's not the same as just like laying down on a couch or a bed and it, like all of a sudden you're in a completely different mindset and you can enjoy yourself. Yeah. Mm hmm do you guys have like an yeah. office? You ever, you guys ever work like in an office to like make your stuff, or do you like have home offices? Uh, we both have home offices. Um, I was working out of an office um, for YouTube for a few years, and that was horrible. Oh, you didn't like I, it? I, no, I couldn't get any work done because oh. it's just bright lights and there's people everywhere who want to mm. talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. It, it was it, a little open concept too. Like that, it, it's just the office in New York. Wait, yeah. was it at YouTube? Yeah, like I was in that was office. It, yeah. Was it an, an office for your YouTube stuff? You mean? No, 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 it was at YouTube. Oh, I see. That would be different. I want to ha- I am in a home office as well. I have this like whole bedroom that is used as the office. I film stuff and I edit in here and I stream in here. But I want to, I've always wanted to have an like I rent an office space and I go to it to get my work done. So then when I come home, anything I do at home, it forces me to oh, not, yeah. not work, Matt which is did hard that for to do. A really long time. Yeah, I used to have an office in town. Uh yeah, for for years I did that and uh, it's, I mean, imagine it would be expensive. It was I think okay. if I could save not doing that, mm. but I've never had it. I want to like yeah. have a studio I go to where I, I go there to film and I could spend a late night, but like when I come home, it forces me to not do yeah. a stream or edit or anything, but it's, I need to be you know, told not yeah, to work. I realized that was, that distinction was a me problem. Like yeah. I, I could either have that physical distinction. So to put this in perspective, the office was like an eight minute drive away so uh you know not a big deal um it wasn't even very expensive like i I don't live in manhattan so you know a little bit of office space is is not crushing you on the bills um but yeah i was like you know what i i just need to understand that when i'm working i'm working and when i'm not i'm not and it didn't take very long to just kind of snap out of that and separate it. So yeah, I, I believe to some degree, like that forced separation, it's almost like training wheels. And at a certain point I was like, ah, I don't need training wheels. I am a big boy now who can ride the work bike. Uh, I just have to, um, you know, I, I just have to be very clear in my own head about what I'm doing and when, and yeah, it did take a little bit, uh, to do that, but you know, now it's, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Someday, someday I think I'll do it. I just want the space yeah. to, to like film more yeah. studio stuff. Cause like right now I rent a studio in LA mm-hmm. or I downtown where I go and film like the main dad series. And it costs so much money just even for the like simplest oh, videos. It's so I'm like, I need to get yeah. my own space that I could build my own studio and shoot it and just pay my rent. But even that's expensive, especially in LA. Yeah. I'm not in LA now. I moved away for a year um, out of LA now, but I'm trying to see if I can find a place around here that's cheaper, just like an office mm-hmm. space with a big enough room that I could use as a sort of studio. But yeah, that's yeah. quiet and enough that's, that you can shoot in. Yeah, too. that's uh, quiet enough, and that I'm not bothering other people if I'm ever loud. And but also, I think mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm trying to save so much money right now. That's why I moved out of LA because Corona. I'm not doing as much acting work, and I'm just sort of like relying on my own creation to live now. But I I don't know if I could uh, afford it even just having an office space. Cause like yeah. right now it's like, it's free at home. So yeah, but, mm-hmm. and that's an important distinction. You talk about needing the square footage to shoot. Like you need studio space. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I, I talked about was an office space. I didn't need any of the things yeah. that you need that Kevin needs. That's, that's really a different setup. And here uh, in what I've got now, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not shooting anything. It's just not like that. I need a, a big desk and I've got that, but, uh, that's about the extent of, of my requirements when you're shooting though. And you do need, need a proper studio space. You're worried about sound. Um, then it's a, then it's a different story. And I think doing it at home requires a pretty hefty sacrifice. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um, I have two questions before we get to our our patrons questions for you. I have two more that I want to sneak in. Um, one is 
have you ever gotten badly injured from doing the physical comedy that you do? And then the second one is, have you ever had any trouble with cops <laughs> from shooting in public and like doing, doing the prank stuff? Yes. Yes to both. Uh, <laughs> I figured. <laughs> I've mostly been lucky. I'm pretty fortunate. For a really long time, I never got injured at all. And then one time I knocked my tooth out in a video called Surprised Brain Syndrome, where I was, my character was having these great revelations. It was like information was disappearing in his head, like where Noah's Ark was and all these other crazy things. And he would then pass out because there was too much information. And I'd, it was just basically I needed a gimmick and a reason to do a montage of this guy passing out over and over. And one of the yeah. falls, I did in a bowling alley, and I didn't catch myself right. So I let myself just hit the ground at the last second. I'll catch myself with my hands. So it looks kind of like I'm just hitting the ground. Um, and I knocked my tooth out. So at the end half of the video where I'm saying all the things that I'm realizing, uh, you can see I'm missing a tooth. <laughs> so that was the one time. <laughs> uh, and then later, Keith Apicary was at the Screw Attack Screw Attack video game convention in texas and i wanted to surprise the audience where they're all looking at the stage and i wanted to drop down from above and be like to make an ultimate entrance but i climbed up on this like ledge that was like 14 feet up and it was too high and then when i got there i was like oh god this is too high i'm like well i still gotta do it i'm here now and i just <laughs> jumped and i shattered my heel oh, and that was like the oh. one bone other than my tooth that i broke <laughs> so yeah and I, I got pretty lucky because apparently when you jump from that height you can you often shatter both your heels and part of your spine uh so but i just broke <laughs> one and uh it took me out of action for a long time <laughs> but yeah so those are the times i, I got hurt shattered one portion of my body yeah <laughs> how painful was that Oh, it, it was unbelievable. And then I did the whole I did a whole hour long performance with the broken foot and I just hopped on one foot. And I, I knew something was incredibly <laughs> wrong, but I just didn't I couldn't leave because I wanted to do the show. So in character, I stayed in character as Keith and I just took my shoe off at one point and you could see how huge and black and blue my foot was. Oh, it was like no. demented looking. And everyone in the audience was like, because everyone knows, like some people think Keith's real. Some people don't know him in character and some people know I'm just really committed. But then some people you could see on their faces, like people were whispering to each other, and like turning to each other, like, what's, is this a part of the bit? Like, what's happening? Like, did he, what is, is that really broken? Like, why is he here? Uh, so why is he not leaving? But I did the whole show on one foot and, uh, it hurt really bad. And then I went to the hospital and I got stuck in Texas for like a week. Cause I had to take blood thinners so I could fly. Cause if I had a blood clot, uh, I could have a heart attack. It would stop my heart in the airplane from that altitude. Um, so anyways, I had to like take blood thinner before I went home to LA. And then eventually I got uh, surgery where they reassembled my foot. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that, uh, I hurt myself wait, wait. doing that. Did the doctor say anything about, like, did you make it worse by doing the hour-long performance, or did it not matter at that point? Uh, it didn't matter at that point, because the swelling had to okay. come down anyways. I mean, if I, like, banged it or bumped it, I could have broken a little bit more pieces, I guess. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, I went to the doctor that night, and they didn't do anything besides, like, you know, give me pain medication, and I was in the hospital for a few days. And then I went back to the hospital. I mean, I went back to the hotel after a couple of days. And my girlfriend at the time flew in and hung out with me for a couple of days and she flew back with me. So uh, it wasn't the worst thing. It kind of goes down in history as like lore of Keith and like how crazy Keith Abacary gets. And he just still, nothing can stop him. He'll still do a show with one foot. So uh, whatever. <laughs> I pain, pain. Also, I was really pumped up. So the pain wasn't really killing me. And I, I often 
will get smash my face in the like I, I actually one time as Keith I did it multiple times in a video one of the most recent talking classics I think it was on I think the episode was like modern games I called it or something oh no no I don't remember it was one of the new talking classics episodes where I had to smash my face through a wall and I had to build a wall I built four walls and did so I could do four takes where I took my I took my face and just smashed it through a wall and it never hurt surprisingly i don't know why but it really didn't hurt so i'm pretty good with pain luckily um it's not really i'm not trying to brag it's just i think i have no body sensors or something so anyways uh it comes in handy uh and then i have definitely been in trouble with the police i as keith as well have been uh well, a few times people just in Je- Trevor. I did some Trevor Phillips in real life because people say, "Okay, Trevor." So I like kind of leaned into it and made myself look more like Trevor, and would go and carry a real person wrapped in a trash bag or on my shoulder. I'd walk them around town, and I'd try to st- <laughs> I, I try to stick him in different places to hide this dead body. And I keep asking people where I can hide this guy, and I stuck him in like freezers of grocery stores and stuck him through a McDonald's drive-through window. And one guy's like, "Put him in my trunk," and I put him in the trunk. And this is like this actor I found on Craigslist who's been in all kinds of my videos using the Skittles videos. Like people know him as Broob from the Skittles videos. Is this old guy <laughs> who just laid on my shoulder and let me carry him around as Trevor. Uh, <laughs> when I did that, the police came. That video right there, someone just posted, Tom just posted in the chat. The, I put him on a cop car in that video. And then the cops came over to me and were questioning us, but they weren't asking me about the guy on my shoulder. They were asking if we had film permits and i was like are you kidding me i have a guy in a trash bag on my shoulder i'm trying to get rid of him and you're not talking to me about that like this didn't care or they didn't believe it so then i started thinking you know if someone wanted to kill someone and you just had a camera crew following you around pretending you're filming getting rid of the body people would think it was not a real body it's the perfect way to get rid of a person is wow. pretend you're filming it and no one would question it especially in la so <laughs> maybe that was a real dead guy i was getting rid of who knows he <laughs> he um <laughs> but that day at the end of that shoot day the cops showed up because someone called someone saw from a distance me sticking him in something and called the cops on me uh, another time i got the cops called on me for doing a gall sanglelis who's the action sequence pro another one of my characters with this major comb over he's like which is he was like a chuck norris i got the cops called on me twice in one day because i'm i'm recording in the alleys of Santa Monica and I'm yelling so loud. People thought it was like a, cr- a homeless person screaming or something. And then the <laughs> ultimate time the cops came was uh, when TSA grabbed me in Texas on the airport <laughs> from going down into the baggage claim. Uh, and I just played dumb as Keith and acted like I didn't know what they were talking about. I just was in a rush to get my bag and they were like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. Just get out of here. And then I did it again in LA because I wanted to go up into the ceiling of a baggage claim instead of going into ones that goes down. I wanted to go up in the ceiling and roll out and I needed that shot and I got the shot in at LAX and a janitor ran and told the cops and the actual like Los Angeles police department showed up and they zip tied me and sat me down and they were going through my bag and I just came back from PAX East and it was the last shot I needed was him coming out of the airport out of the uh, ceiling of the baggage claim. And this is all after 9-11 and, you know, everything is super intense at airports. But I got the shot and I broke my camera down and put it all away and put the tripod away. And then right when the cops came, they stopped me and they said, were you just up in there? And I was, and I stayed in character because I'm, I'm better at getting out of situations when I stay as Keith. 
and I was talking like this. I was like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to go see what was up there. You know, I saw the <laughs> conveyor belt would lead me to, like, some weird place, like, in in uh, Monsters, Inc., when they were in the conveyor belts. And I, they were like, what the heck? So then they just started searching my They zip-tied me, sat me down, and they searched my bag. And they were pulling things out. They pulled out a Virtual Boy, because I had that from things I was doing at PAX. And they were like, what's this? And I was like, well, that's actually a Virtual Boy. It's the very first virtual reality <laughs> device. It's actually way ahead of its time. People say it's a failure, but I think it's a success. And I just kept going on and on about video game facts. And they were like, okay, stop <laughs> talking. And then they pulled out the Justifier gun, which is the Sega Genesis blue laser gun. Uh, and they were like, what? they were like really didn't know what that was. And I'm thinking, in my head, I'm thinking, do you think this giant plastic blue thing is an actual gun with a cord connected to it? But they are like, what's this? I was like, that's the justifier. That thing blows a Nintendo lights out of the water. That's next gen right there. Lethal Forces, baby. And I just kept going on and on about video game facts. And it, I was talking to them so much. Eventually, they go, okay, just go away. And they unzip tied me. And they let me leave. And uh, they, they forgot about the whole footage I was shooting. But this is a, a, maybe too much information. Uh, when I saw that guy run away, the janitor who ran towards like the get the cops, I took the memory card and I put it between my butt cheeks uh, to hide it because I thought they might pat me down and find the memory card and then see the footage and then see what I did and then get rid of it. And I did not want to lose that shot. I needed that shot. I didn't want them to take the push because there's been many times where I've been uh, yelled at by managers of stores for doing my dance videos and the managers will always try to take my camera and they say, let me see that footage. And I always say no. And then I have to run out. I didn't want the cops to see the footage and then take the card for some reason. I was being crazy. I was being over anal about it. <laughs> no pun intended. But I, <laughs> I I only had the thing. It was just between my butt cheeks. It wasn't very deep. <laughs> but I just knew they would feel it when they were patting me down. I didn't want them to feel it in a pocket or check my socks. I didn't want to hide it in my socks. So yeah, I hid it there and I kept it there until I drove all the way home because I was like paranoid that they were following me. I got really paranoid that night and I, I knew they weren't, but I was like, I'm just not gonna, I'm just gonna like, I sat on the side of my butt cheek like a weirdo and I took the memory card and uploaded the footage and you can see the video now in an episode. I think it's, I called it the lost talking classics episode because it was on game trailers and I lost all the episodes. I didn't have them on YouTube and then like a year or two ago, someone was like, I actually have every Talking Classics, Classics downloaded. They, they were, I was on a live stream and the guy was like, I was talking about how I don't have some episodes. And the guy was like, that's weird because I have all of them. I downloaded them years ago. And I was like, oh my God, you're an angel. So he sent me all these episodes and you can see, I think it's this one that somebody, that Tom just posted in the chat, Talking Classics Lost Packs episode. I think that's it. In the very beginning, there's the shot of me rolling out of the baggage claim. And at the very end of the shot, you can see me walking off to break the camera down because that janitor was he goes whoa whoa what are you doing and then he started running away because he only saw me like coming out of the ceiling so he didn't know where who i was or where i came from <laughs> so anyway wait, wait wait so did you have to sorry i want to get actually more detail here. did you have to clench your butt cheeks to hold yes I the did. memory card i did yes i did for sure because it, it was an sd card it wasn't like a small memory card it was that's the, what i'm saying like an sd card is not just gonna sit there no, in the middle you're no, gonna have to I was kind of pinch it. it i was holding it. my boxers were helping but it was slowly falling down every time i walked or moved for sure 
<laughs> Wait, yeah. and then were you, were you were you scared you were gonna smash it as you were sitting on it on the drive no, home? No, I was like, sitting on my side butt cheek the whole time, so it wasn't like directly oh, sitting on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, God, did you make, make your legs fall asleep? No. Well, well, I often <laughs> will sit like that because when I drive, sometimes my like it hurts my like hips, so I often shift in that position. Anyways, I do it on road trips all the time. I'll sit like oh, super okay. to the right side where I'm almost like like laying on my side where I'm sitting and I sit in some weird positions when I drive. So it wasn't that weird, but yeah, I had that thing in there the whole way home. Luckily it was only a 20 minute drive. We're not, yeah, we're not done on this at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So did you make any effort to clean this once you took it out of your I did actually. I wiped it. I did wipe it off. With a, like, a wet paper towel, uh, how, they're pretty sensitive. Like S, S, yeah, that's my question. Is like SD cards are you know fairly sensitive. Like, how hard can you clean a thing like that? It wasn't cleaned very well, but over the years of you know <laughs> using it, I guess it all all the poop particles vaporized <laughs> or like went away. <laughs> if there's ever like a, a black light of uh, your your whole office mm-hmm. area just this sd card is gonna light up everything else is gonna be fine <laughs> i still have it <laughs> it's, gonna glow. it's gonna glow i still have that card and use it to this day from 2000 and 2012 oh, i god. think i got that card <laughs> oh my gosh there you go did you ever smell it i did not i did not smell it i, I don't believe i you. promise I don't you believe i didn't you. i i also never i didn't really at the time i wasn't even thinking that it was gross it, until i started telling the story i was like oh, i guess that's kind of weird but it was just <laughs> logical to me to just put it there to like where will they not find this right <laughs> you're like a nerd version of a drug mule yeah basically i'm hiding footage for a video game documentary yeah you a youtube mule yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah youtube cartel yeah basically smuggling it <laughs> yeah no, so well, it's a bummer when i lost that, that episode i was like wow all that effort and I, now no one can even watch it because game trailer is like removed and i kept meaning because you could used to be able to download videos from game trailers and like all my old hard drives are gone and i was like oh yeah before, i gotta like start downloading these episodes and then they removed it all and i wasn't able to do it <laughs> well shout out to the person for saving them all that's amazing yeah i think i thank him i think i thank him at the top of that episode of the lost talking the uh, packs episode Just... Well, I must say that I'm really glad I snuck in those questions before we got to our patrons questions (laughs) (laughs) that paid off. (laughs) I'll go to any length, any length. I climbed the convention center as Keith in uh, San Diego and got arrested for that one. So I'll do literally, and I almost lit myself on fire that day for another bit that we never got to. So uh, I'll do literally anything if it's funny. Oh, well, uh, we do have uh, some some questions from from our patrons before we let you uh, get out of here. All right. um, just hold those cheeks a little longer. Okay. Keep clenching. I will. Keep I will. Clenching. I will. <laughs> yep. And we will. Uh, it, most most of them are fairly short. Cool. Uh, but we will blast through these. Um, so uh, Trev in the chat. Uh, Trev has a question that you, you touched on a bit, but. But there's not a clear answer so far, and I think we need one. And it's uh, how difficult is it to separate yourself from these characters? Because clearly you can choose to stay in if you need to. Uh, but at what point do they stop and you begin? Um, it's pretty easy now because I've been doing it for so long. and I do so many 
different ones. There are sometimes I was doing a show at the Upright Citizens Brigade where I was do- switching characters and I came out and did the wrong voice for the character. I came out as Ray Amsley and I was still doing Keith's voice. And then, then the audience was like staring at me and then, like the jokes weren't landing. I was like, what? And then I realized I was like, oh my God, I'm doing the wrong voice. So that was like one time I got confused as to who I was at the moment because um, I was changing characters so fast. But um, in my normal life, I'm fine with, I know, I don't think I really get, you know, that deep into the character. Although there are times where I'll say things to a friend or like someone I'm talking to regularly and I'll think I'm dad for a second because it's mostly my regular voice. I just talk like lighter. Hi, how are you? And I speak kind of more robotic in a way and most like asmr I guess. And there's times where I'll be like, whoa this looks awesome and i'll be just like staring at something that i genuinely think is cool and something will come out of my mouth and i'll say something that sounds like dad and that's when i'm like oh gosh wait what and i'm like why is why is dad coming out but uh for the most part i can separate and i'm not like i don't know i've been doing it too long (laughs) but who knows who i really am who knows if i'm the character that keith (laughs) abacary is playing you never know (laughs) <laughs> it's it's always possible you never know and this is a throwback no no you don't and this is a, a throwback from tom videoger he wants to know uh any especially fond memories from the screw attack days oh yeah every memory uh everything i ever did with screw attack was super fun and super intense and over the top because it was just like that was like the hit the, the beginning of keith abacary and i was just going crazy i was just so pumped to be like keith is just a major ball of energy and just doesn't have logic and he just kind of does what he sees in video games so every every e3 i got into was because of screw attack and the screw attack video game conventions uh the first sgc the second sgc those were super fun the third one i think was the one where i broke my foot still fun though um so yeah (laughs) every every moment i ever had with sgc was awesome so because it was just like so many like pumped yeah, people, cool. young people who liked video games that would just like Keith could like sort of rally people and like get everyone to run around naked and climb on the roof and then run through the kitchen of the hotel. And it was just we were staying up so late one of the first nights of uh, one of the at the first SGC, the Screw Tech Convention, and we were having competitions where we we're just like jumping over like a tables and how seeing how high we could dive and jump over like tables with pillows and we we're taking water and putting them on all these long tables and belly sliding across all these tables. And it was late night mayhem in the hotel that the hotel just didn't stop us. And I was climbing the ceiling. I was like up in the rafters. It was amazing. People were pushing a piano through the hotel and I was standing on it, dancing in my underwear and getting the whole hotel to chant things. And it was like (laughs) unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was so much fun. So screw tech was the best. (laughs) Uh, well, this one is from uh, Birthday Boy Jeff, uh, and and I think you have to say yes because it's his birthday. The question is, will there ever be another Getting Gym Nasty? Ah, there there will be, yes. Gymnasty was a series of people oh, really? don't know. Yeah, there will definitely be more. I kind of feel like I did, it to, did the idea to death, and I don't know what else I could do, but I do have one idea. Um, gymnasty, I would go into gymnast, like gymnast studios or, or, you know, where people were doing gymnastics and I would just go in wearing jeans and a, a Camaro tank top and sm- smash my body in front of gymnasts 
uh, as with an ego and acted like I was doing all these things on purpose and I knew what I was doing and the guy just I was just killing myself in front of people publicly. That's what gymnasty is. And I did a bunch of them and then I was like, I don't know what else I can do with this. And then I did one with this girl uh, that I was dating at the time and she was an actual gymnast. So I was like, oh, let's do a video where you know like you play this character that i'm like you're doing real gymnastics and my character starts to like kind of like have a crush on you or whatever um and like that that episode episode four was that and i was like okay i got some new life to the episode. there was like a narrative now there was like a duo and there was like a reason to do different bits because otherwise it was just me hurting myself on the same equipment the same way <laughs> i needed like something else so she added a different element to it which was fun and then I don't know if I did a, oh, then I did a fifth one where I went to a place in San Francisco where the gym was like, oh, can you come up here and like use our gym? And I thought of some more bits when I was there. Basically, I have to go there for the whole day and just think of bits. And I did one in the fifth episode that I was very happy with where I like went flying through a shot. That's it. The 2020 Olympics audition. So I came up with another angle where he's going to audition for the Olympics. This is his audition tape. And that's how I can keep this bit going. I dove through a shot out a door and I almost literally inches from flying down a staircase on the outside of where you don't see me go. I had to like grab a rail as I landed on the ground and do a somersault. So I didn't fly down this staircase and like get messed up because I was going so fast out the shot. So um, that was like, okay, I was like, I don't know what else I can do. But then that same gym, gym, uh, gymnastic studio in San Francisco. Oh wait, I don't know if that is the one is the 2020 Olympics. The episode. I don't know if it is. Maybe it is. I can't remember. I'm forgetting. I've done too many episodes. But this is my long answer. Sorry. The I I think I can do another episode because the whole plan is to prank an, a veteran gymnast coach who was like a Russian guy who ch- trained like all these like Olympic athletes in the 80s, and then the the studio the gymnastics studio would tell him, hey, can you train this guy a little bit for, you know, a couple hours and give him the basics? And I would just destroy myself in front of him and just like do more <laughs> do more verbal bits with him, get some like more like commentary, like me saying things to him and sort of just pranking him in general, doing more of like an Ali G type thing with that guy. That would be my angle of the next one. Uh, whenever like, you know, cor- Corona That's dies good. down, I'll do that. But I also wrote, I have like a whole idea for a television show. I want to pitch to some places for this character. And it's like, it's kind of like a foot fist way, Kenny powers type show, or the, I'm a mm-hmm. landscaper who gets into gymnastics because he sees, he cuts the grass at the gymnastics studio and he sees this trainer, this like woman who's a gymnast trainer instructor go in every day. And he's like in love with her. And he's always says he's going to go talk to her. And one day he goes in to ask her out he chickens out and then she's like did you want to sign up for classes and he's like oh yeah yeah and he signs up for gymnastics classes and now he's going through these classes waiting for the moment where he can ask her out and he ends up going through this whole like training and he keeps hurting himself and then he gets jealous of these other guys who are like legit and he ends up distancing himself from her because his ego's in the way and he's trying to like look cool in front of these guys so that she'll like him when really she kind of dislikes him and she doesn't care what the gymnastics guy is. so it's a whole show so anyways i think i could blow the show up uh, the i the, the video's up into a some sort of a narrative story but still use elements of like real life prank footage of me in doing hurting myself in the studios so it's like a hybrid show of like cinematic storytelling with prank footage of me hurting myself to, to, to pay homage to the original videos that's kind of my idea 
So maybe that'll happen someday. That was amazing. We'll see. <laughs> this is such a good idea. <laughs> I love that the idea that's just like, ah, kind of like in the back burner, you know, like whatever is amazing. Like <laughs> the, the one that's low on the list and not a priority is incredible. Yeah, like idea seven <laughs> is hilarious. There's yeah. too many. Uh, every video I've ever shot, I have a TV idea for it. Everyone, every character I've ever done has a movie and a television show idea that I think I think would be good, but you never know. And then too many, too many people trying to do the same thing as you. So someday we'll see. We'll see. Well, we're going to switch gears a tiny little bit from creator to viewer. Dan, the latch has a question about your YouTube habits. How much do you, do you watch at this point and, and who are your favorite creators on the platform hmm what do i watch sort of regularly i don't watch a lot because i'm doing so much on my own like i'm constantly just uploading or editing and making my own stuff and then live streaming so i don't really get a chance to watch too much i'm trying to think right now um what about in the past uh who do i like i liked remy gallard a lot he's still doing some stuff i guess he was a french guy who did like crazy pranks now, I'm not necessarily like a prank guy. It's just something, one of the many things I do. I don't want to be like a prank person or anything, but Remy Gower just came to mind. He's really funny. He's done some pretty crazy stuff. Um, he's been around forever. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I like or I used to like. James Rolfe, obviously, Angry Video Game Nerd. Been friends with him, done some sure. stuff with him. All the Vsauce channels, big fan. I learn a lot from them and it changes my way of thinking a lot of the time. So, uh, Vsauce, gotta say them. Uh, I don't really know. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of... Oh, there's this new channel, I will say, Uli, O-L-E-E, that I think is very interesting. I think everybody should check out. I think everyone should check What does uh, Uli do? Uli, uh, I won't say that I'm a part of it, but Uli, to me, is, is some sort of an experiment. I don't know what's going on. It's O L L E. There it is. Dan just posted it. Um, oh, it's okay. just started. It doesn't look like and that's not me at all. I'm not in this. This is not. <laughs> I won't say my association okay. with this project, but uh, Uli is very interesting, and uh, that's something I think is is I've been keeping my eye on. <laughs> so, yeah. As always, we will put we'll put. Uh, We'll put that link in the show description as well. So we'll put all of Nathan's stuff in there, uh, but we'll throw Uli in too. Um, Speaking of of, uh, traditional creators on the platform, uh, James has an announcement for you. He wants to make you aware that uh, three guys who appear to be Michael Reeves, William Osmond, and iDubbbz created uh, an abusive robot stepdad. And he wanted you to know that they've, they've copied you. Wait, what? What is it called? <laughs> is it a, it's called abusive robot step. Oh my God. That's like, that's the, I, my character is a robot. Nice dad. I, uh, he's the wholesome dad, abusive robot stepdad. Oh my gosh. Dad bot is going to destroy this thing. I dubs. It's, it's going to be a lawsuit at some point, mm. isn't it? <laughs> well, dad bot will destroy this thing easily with his quantum sledgehammer. <laughs> I don't think that robot has a quantum sledge. So I got nothing to worry about. Probably not. I, I think, I think it just has insults programmed. Into oh, I it. see. Well, I will destroy him with comments, uh, compliments and wholesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a couple, uh, uh, a couple 
shorties here and then uh, a good one to end on. Um, Isaac has has two real good ones here. One of them we we touched on. What's the fastest you've gotten kicked out of a public place while filming? Uh, it's happened within some. I've done a lot of dance videos and I go into stores a lot for them and i've been kicked out within seconds of some where like i walk through the door and they see the camera <laughs> and they go nope and they just force me to turn around mm. and then i'll have to like go back later because i'm like I, I need to like get as many as i can and i'm like running out of options of stores to go into so i'll go back later with the camera in a backpack and then i set it up somewhere in the corner and then i just drop it down but then a lot of times when i get the camera on the ground they notice and they're already following me to when they see me walk in so i'll get a couple seconds and a lot of the videos where i'm dancing uh, there's no audio because i'm playing the music i'm talking with my mouth closed and i'm saying almost done almost done and i'm saying i'm trying to talk to the security person that's right <laughs> next to me or to the side of behind the camera who's saying stop dancing stop dancing and i, I keep saying hang on a second hang on because i just need at least 10 seconds of footage and then i just grab the camera and i walk out and then i use that 10 seconds among with all the other 10 seconds of stores i've gotten put it together so a lot of the times there's a security person behind the camera yelling at me as i'm dancing and i'm just ignoring them getting my shot <laughs> so i don't spend a lot of time so then there's been some times where i'm in there for like a half an hour and i'm like all right no one's saying it to me i may as well keep going so <laughs> it's it's like riding a bull where you've got to stay on for eight yeah seconds. basically that's all i need <laughs> you get bucked off <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need one measure i need one beat uh, of the song <laughs> Uh, another logistics kind of thing here. Uh, this is uh, Isaac's follow-up. How far ahead do you plan the secret messages, the totally not ARG things for Dan? Some of them I have thought out like weeks in advance, and then some I figure out as I'm editing. Because I just know the message I need to put in, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, like the, one of the more, most recent ones, the episode I just put up the other day, I recorded audio of myself saying something in character and then i reversed it and then i chopped it up into like 12 pieces and i scrambled the pieces so i think a lot i was watching the people solve it in the theory chat of my discord like the people who find these things they were trying to piece it together and for a while i was like how are they not realizing that it's not um in that order i think they thought it was just reversed and they were trying to put it together reverse they didn't realize that all 12 pieces pieces were scrambled so they took each piece of the audio and put it in a you know kept like you know rubik's cubing it around they would eventually get after you reverse them all put them regular in regular time you would eventually hear the sentence i don't know i still have to check in on them and see what how they've done but um yeah that one i i thought of like the day before i was like oh i should do that for that one but so it's kind of different it's it's i don't like to do this i i've done a lot of binary and binary is kind of cliche but um i try to do different things now and figure out different ways to hide stuff to keep them on their toes <laughs> but the even reverse yeah, audio wild. is kind the of like process typical too there's there's i've done many different ones and some of them have proven too hard so then i i do more basic ones like the morse code is like i don't want them to not find out so i don't want it to be too obscure so morse code is like a good one but a lot of times right. i'll do this where i'll hide individual morse code i'll do like a zero and a one in random places of the screen and then they have to like assemble it all so it makes it a little bit less cliche and a little more difficult so yeah that's cool yeah no it's just such an interesting facet of of the series like that that's it's also you describing it it's just very it's cool. also like a full-time job to be honest with you 
coming up with the codes and the secrets and then putting them in is a whole other editing process I have to do. So like not only after I finish the video and color correct it and make the music and do the voiceover, I then have to do the secret. And I'm like, oh gosh, I forgot about the secret. And that takes me like another like six hours. <laughs> so it's like, oh I, and I had to make sure I did it right <laughs> and that they're seeing it. I had to keep my eyes on if they're figuring it out because if they don't, then I have to do another secret to help them. It's like, it's, I'm adding so much work to what I do, but it makes it more fun, I guess. So it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It definitely, definitely makes it unique for the people who are following along. Like they love that aspect. Yeah. Of it. So now I feel like I can't stop. I'm sort of like locked into it. I was going to do, for some episodes, I like stop, but then it, it's cool for me because then they keep looking and I get more views because they're like, where is it? But uh, those, those are the times where I'm kind of <laughs> like, I just can't do one. I can't do it right now. I'm too tired. So yeah. Well, Elevensies uh, has the penultimate question here. Um, you've talked about so many different things. Out of all of it, what is what is your favorite thing that you've created? Uh, I'd say neutral, my short film, for sure. Because ultimately, I just want to act. I have a lot of ideas, and I'm kind of scatterbrained, and I do a lot of different things. But I just really, my passion is acting and just performing. And uh, acting is something that's got physical comedy and it would be a bonus. So something I can like throw myself around or do some weird physical bits would be the best, most fun thing for me. So just being in something, playing a character is really all I want to do. Just delivering lines and becoming someone else is what I want. So, but in order to do that one thing, I have to do a million other things. So mm-hmm. until the day where I can just show up on a set, and be funny <laughs> that, show up and be the character yeah that's yeah. what i would love to do what jim carrey has done is what i would love to do in my own way mm-hmm. but i have to do it myself until oh. then so yeah neutral yeah, i'd well, say neutral is my cool. favorite project and, so far and hopefully that'll be a full feature film and then and once corona's over i'll start raising the money and try to get the whole thing done um real quick i have one last question for you but actually it's two because i just thought of another one in neutral you get dragged behind a car mm. How does that stunt work? Do you have to wear some kind of like metal sheet in your shirt to get dragged behind a car so it doesn't tear away your skin? How does that work? Yeah. So when I did it, I did it two times. One time I did it for real with no plate or anything. And uh, I basically just kept my toes, the main contact on the ground. And I knew that I'd only have like, you know, 30 seconds where the road would start ripping through the shoes and into my toes. So we did that. Uh, once so we could have like a real clean shot of me actually dragging behind the car. And I've done this bit and some videos and stuff before. So knowing how uh, it rips through your clothes so fast. So I was like, all right, we'll do, I got a whole other outfit I wore for that and a different pair of shoes. And I did it until I could feel the ground ripping into my toes. And I said, I had yelled to my brother, stop, because he was the one driving the car. And then we did it again where my stunt coordinator friend was there helping out and he had a plastic plate that was like thick square it's like a size of like a dinner plate but maybe a little smaller like a napkin opened up and we put that like sort of at like my you know groin hips area uh and i just sort of like covered it with my body and i was like laying on it and i had to like keep my body in the right position where it didn't look i wasn't super arched so that you could see it i had to be like low to the ground just not let my clothes rip but my my shirt did drag a little bit and i still ripped the shirt a little but that's how we got the longer one. And we just tied that to uh, the bumper and my arm blocked the cable as I was holding onto the bumper. So we got a longer drag that way. 
but it still ripped my clothes but, a little bit. But you were just hanging on to the bumper both times? Yeah, I was just hanging on to the bumper the whole both times. Okay. So that's amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Chinchilla has an add-on question here. Is is uh, a, being a stuntman a possibility at any point? Um, I, I would say I already am because I get hired to do stunts in projects. A lot of times in the commercials I do or whatever show I'm on, uh, Kirby Buckets was a Disney show I was on for a long time for like three years and in that like my friend who was the uh showrunner like producer of the show and writer he is friends with me he knows what i do so like when i went auditioned they knew like i could add some physicality to this character so i get hired for things where i'll do my own stunts every time they don't get a stunt man for me so like i'm already technically a stunt man that's done professional work just mm-hmm. because people have seen me do it in videos and they know i can handle it there was actually a show i was on recently uh stump town is the name of the show and i was just like a guest star i had like one a part and one episode and i was supposed to be like a telegram a drunk telegram guy that shows up and he does a drunk telegram but he actually was drunk was that the character like really was drunk and the people who hired him weren't sure if he was really drunk and i thought i'm supposed to be on a table yelling at everyone giving this and singing the song to this woman the hired the they hired me to sing to happy birthday I was like, well, if this guy's drunk and he's sitting at a table, he'd probably fall off. So I was thinking, I'm just going to fall off the table and not tell them that I'm going to fall. Because if I, so a lot of times on a show, I'll propose an idea, idea, and if it's not in the script, they don't really want to do it because they're, they're on a time crunch. They need to get their shots. They need to get the day done and they need to get out. And also they don't want some actor who says, hey, I can do stunts to do a stunt because they're not going to believe me. So I just yeah. did it. And then they were like, oh, my God. They, like, lost their minds. I fell backwards off this table and slammed into the ground. <laughs> and it was, like, a really good fall. And they were like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, no, I did it on purpose. I'm a stuntman. And then after they saw it, the director liked it so much, they let oh. me keep doing it. Uh, and I then I did one take without it. And it got in the show. But I know if I had proposed it, they would have said no we don't need it let's just move on but i wanted it for myself right. so i could yeah. have one more thing to add to my reel um and then i knew it would work but anyways um yeah so i just do it legitimately now after just if you throw yourself around enough you get good at it and then you become professional i guess <laughs> so it's it's one of those little professional secrets uh, whether you're an actor or almost doing anything, sometimes you just have to do the thing and then apologize later. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, my whole life is that. Yeah. That's why. I st- I, <laughs> literally, my whole life. That's the name of your bio of your autobiography. Yep. Nathan Barnett. Steal it and ask for ask for forgiveness later. Do it and ask and, and apologize later. I climb buildings. <laughs> I I steal shots. I dance in stores. I just know. In the end, they'll be happier when they see it than when they were upset when I was doing it. <laughs> and I was thinking yeah. my dance videos make more people happy than the one guy it made upset. <laughs> but I'm also Definitely. giving that security guy <laughs> something to do for the day instead of standing around. So there you go. Keep him on his toes. <laughs> uh, well, we've got a good one from Tom, and then I hand over to Kevin here. Uh, with creators like Nightmind, Film Theory, etc., making uh summaries of your dad series and then you reincorporating them into your story what's that process like mashing the worlds together into the story that you're developing and telling well that was actually a pretty fun thing for me when all these channels started investigating dad it was exactly what i wanted so i sent so these i looked up these channels uh and i found these when i first started dad i was like how am i going to promote this channel how am i going to get people to like look at this other than my nathan audience and I only got like 5,000 people from my 
400,000 subscribers to go and subscribe to dad. No one really cared. So I was like, well, I got 5,000 people. I need more people watching these videos. So I found these channels that were investigating mysteries and I sent emails to them and they, they all just said nothing. And I would send them DMs with like, you can like copy invisible text and you can send messages that don't exist. So they got emails that had nothing in the subject and it's just a blank email with nothing in the subject or the title. And it was just like, and it just said from dad's, and it was dad's email. So then they would be like, what the heck is this? And they looked up this dad guy on YouTube and it was my way of probing them and being like, hey, look at me in some unique way. And then they, inside of mind was the first one to investigate me, then Nightmind, and then Nexpo, and now like a, a bunch, and then MatPat just did it for film theory. So I, I sort of like got that, their attention. And then I was thinking, all right, they're all saying these things about dad being like mind controlled and his wife built him as a robot, blah, blah, blah. H how would he feel about this? I need to keep the bit going here. And like, dude, this is my weird way of collabing with these people. I can't just be like, cool, thanks for the audience. And then keep making videos. They have th their audience is now watching. So I need to make something about them to keep their audience interested because they might not really care about dad. They might get lose interest in a couple weeks. But if I talk about the person that they do watch, Nightmind, or if I talk about Inside of Mind or MatPat, what would dad say about them? So then I basically took their format of investigating where dad was like, oh yeah, you're going to investigate me. I'm going to investigate you. And I'm going to tell you all the things you were wrong about. So dad says how they're all lying and they're all part of a cult and they're all part of the dark party. And uh, they're all like lying to their audiences. Everything is fine here. Everything's fine in town, USA. Dad loves mom. Mom loves dad. So basically, it's like a guy trying to brainwash their audience into thinking that their favorite person was lying about me. And it gets this whole battle going back and forth where now they're like in the audience is engaged for this feud because they want to be like, oh, who side do I pick? And I've converted so many people who would be like, you know, I trust you, dad, because they're going on with a bit they're like, dad, I love you. Dad would never <laughs> lie to me. Dad bought loves me nightmind lied to me how could he do that so i'm like yes yes i'm getting their audience so uh <laughs> then i did it with matt pat and uh he went along with it where i basically fooded him i was like hey so you settle this stuff i'm gonna respond and say you're lying and then at the end he gets a can of food which brainwashes him can i and i asked him if i could get some shots of him and he was like down for it so now matt's like in the story nightmind's in the story they're all i've pulled them all into the story just for a way to collaborate with it with them and not just have it end end after their video and the last thing i'll say about it is the my favorite part of this was it, all, all this existed in my investigation videos, which weren't necessarily a part of the main story, which were the more cinematic looking videos of dad in the studio and out in like, you know, outside locations in LA where I was filming. I'm like, I need to get, I need to connect the reality investigate. Cause I'm doing many things on the channel. I'm doing YouTube type stuff where I'm like investigating, sitting at a desk, talking to a camera. And then I have the narrative stuff that's filmed of dad. I need to combine these two things because I always say, every video is just as important. And a lot of the audience, all of the hardcore dad audience won't watch those videos because they don't care. They think it's just like clickbait stuff. But I keep telling them there's stuff in there you're going to want to see. And there's like codes and there's weird stuff that's going to tell them things. So my way of getting everyone to watch everything was I took... Uh, I took things I was saying in reality where I was saying they were all in a cult called the Dark Party, and I started adding it into the storyline videos where in the story videos, I was like, oh man, Nexpo investigated me again. Why did he do that? And they're like, wait, He's talking about reality. So then they go and watch the reality videos because I'm just trying to keep everyone watching everything because it all is part of the story. And then eventually at the end of act three, which just came out recently, 
I put Nexpo and Jamie inside, who's inside of mine, these two YouTubers who were the original ones to investigate me. I put them in the story by having people, my brother and my friend were under cloaks and they were in a cemetery talking to this goth character in the story about the cult they're in called the Dark Party and she's trying to get in it. And I had Nexpo doing the voice and inside of mine doing the voice. So now that their canon and so is matt pat and so is night night mind night mind helped the dad bot escape and you can see his name and all these wanted posters at the top of the finale video so it was pretty cool for me to be like my way of thanking them basically of like thank you for giving me this audience and t investigating me but now my way of thanking you is to like sort of say you're in a cult <laughs> but you're now part of the story sorry so that's my long long answer about <laughs> that it actually gave me more them investigating me gave me more create creative uh outlets i guess more things i can make so yeah <laughs> i'm glad that you asked that question because it just shows the intricacies of like weaving this web of dad yeah. that that for people unfamiliar with this channel it's it's hard to explain concisely yeah and that's why you said we could spend so many episodes just dissecting it. yeah dad is it's very unique is, too it's like the biggest thing i've ever done and like i know it's some people might be like it's too big and kind of frustrating and it's too long and they just but if you just watched it from the beginning and sort of just didn't think too much it's not that complicated i always say dad is simple because it is pretty much simple you just watch the story for what it is and mm. you, you don't need to really look at the codes or anything you just need to watch yeah. and it's pretty simple it's just that there's a lot of videos now so it helps to watch from act one and then there's other mm -hmm. there's other videos in between because the whole point of dad is that he's the best he wants to be the best youtuber but if he was only making the story videos about him in his house with his family talking about being a youtuber and not actually uploading youtube style videos to the channel it wouldn't make sense so that's why i have him him doing reality where he's investigating people and that's why he's doing an unboxing videos and he's doing asmr videos he's doing all these other random things and he has a gaming channel now because that makes it legitimate and makes him actually a youtuber but it's not <laughs> right. the main story but it, it all connects anyways it's just yeah it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> people who are listening to this and aren't, aren't in the discord watching yeah. are probably like and not seeing the chatter just like probably so out of it <laughs> anyway that's true well um we have one last question and that and that's something that we'd like to ask a lot of our guests because this podcast is first and foremost about creativity and the creative guests that we have on it and that's uh to throw to you to give us a sponsor so basically we need a sponsor for this episode and it can be anything you want it can be a real product it can be a made-up product or service or website or whatever and anyone since we're talking to you can read it it could be it could be keith it could be dad it could be trail Lewouse. um it, it's really like whatever you want to do you know, it's a blank canvas, but that it is now time for you to give us uh, this podcast sponsor. I feel like what would be suiting to mention is the actual hardware store known as True Value Hardware that dad is obsessed with since he's a dad and he loves going to the hardware store. He's obsessed with True Value. And a lot of people who watched the series didn't know it was even a real place. And it is. It's a very small independent really? hardware store that exists in America. And if you have one near you, try to support a small independent business. Don't go to Home Depot or Lowe's. Go to True Value. They, the company has been very cool at, with me <laughs> mentioning them all the time. And they like retweet things. But uh, it's basically, I made a song about it. There's music videos. And I'm always getting, putting myself on top of their buildings and messing around with them. <laughs> and uh, they've been very cool with it. 
uh, with this very strange world <laughs> being obsessed. There's all these teens, there's like 20-year-old girls dancing in front of True Value, and they have probably never even been into a hardware store. So it's like, in a way, making True Value cool, but I don't know how much money it's making them. <laughs> but if you're going to buy something, <laughs> try a True Value, because they're they're pretty cool for going along with the bit. Well, I'm not going to let you off the hook with that because you mentioned the the brand, but I'd love for you to 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 act as if you were doing an ad oh, all right, all right, for them okay. for this episode. Okay, yeah. I'll do it in character then. Let's see here. Hmm. Hi, it's me, Dad Bot A7M2, your normal average human man. When I'm needing a tool to get the job job done just right, I go to my local True Value, where they have everything I need at the price I can afford. Plus, that's where everyone. Hi, I am everything is fine and you should go to true value. No one is controlling me or telling me to say these things. Nothing is behind the back door. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's my real strange ad for true value. <laughs> Dude, that was hard. It was hard not to ruin that with my laughter. <laughs> yeah. I was concentrating. I was like going into a Zen moment just to try not to interrupt that at all. That was excellent. I was like, Thank should you. I just do a straight ad or should I just make it weird? And dad's dad's weird. He's always <laughs> shutting down. He's always having problems. So he almost said too much, but the ser the server reeled um, him back and kept him in line. Yeah. Well, that was perfect. That was exactly what I hoped for Good and stuff. more. Um, Nathan, this was awesome and a long time coming. It's so great to finally talk yeah, with you. Yeah, likewise. Man. Thanks for uh thanks for knowing I existed and I'm glad that we became internet pals and thanks for all the help with my with the videos you've you've given me. Yes. Yes, we are internet pals and you should be internet pals with Nathan as well. Check out Dad, check out the the OG channel Nathan Barnett and um you are going to have a lot of viewing to catch up on if you haven't uh, checked out his videos before there's a billion and one series that are all good and it was great seeing the chat kind of call out what their different favorite series were and it seems like everybody you know when i first saw trail luaus doing the skittles commercials back in like 2008 or whatever i was like this is my type of humor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love this guy yeah. this is so exactly what i think is funny um just yeah garbling up the English language and just being so aloof. I just thought it was so great. So yeah, go check out Nathan. Um, and uh, he's got a Patreon. We've got a Patreon. Go to Patreon, you know, support creators, support him, support the Create Unknown. If you want to join us, we're here every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern live on Discord. Join, join our Discord. If you're a Discord person and you like the Discord thing, we got a Discord for you. So check out the Create Unknown Discord and we got links to all of Nathan's projects, you know, watch um, Neutral, his short film, and um, and uh, until until next time, we will see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to the Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and congratulations to the Tots and Dumpster Crew who save tiny little lives every month. A tremendous shout out to our elite baby gang. Trevstad, Boromir, Botdogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, and Dojangles. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefisanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Monaghan, Ryan Kinder, Sheep, and Maruko. 
Thank you as well to our producer and editor, Ben Webster, and to our media manager, Dan Yosua. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production.